Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone, before I get started, I just want to let you all know I'm going to be off next week for 4th of July. I'm going to take the holiday off, so I hope um, everybody has a nice, that's in America, a nice long weekend. Do weekends mean anything? They mean something to me again now that I'm back at work. Um, I'm not going to say like happy 4th of July because I think celebrating Independence Day right now is, mm, I mean, has it ever been good? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not, but I will be off. If you are interested in hearing more from me, you can come to my Patreon, which has a new name. It's called Liz Explains It All. I am posting a shit ton of content over there as usual. You can find me on patreon.com slash Liz Explains if you're interested. This week I had episodes on... What did I have episodes on this week? Oh, Josh and Anna Duggar's wedding. I did Dope Sick. I released my Dope Sick Love episode and an intervention episode. So if you are interested in hearing about that, please come over to that. You can hear me there. If not, I will talk to you again in two weeks. Okay. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. I'm very excited because today, since there's no new episode, and I had asked my friend Jess, to read Leah's book and come on this podcast and talk with me about it. And, you know, as fate would have it, I was able to find time out of my life and spend the two hours. Uh, I actually took a screenshot of exactly how long am the read time, this expected read time on this was. Hold on. Let's see if I can find it. I read the 162 pages, basically. Oh, which it's Amazon... 164 hard Oh, <laughs> I think it is 64, which Amazon predicted, I believe, would take un... like two and a half hours to read. <laughs> it's rough for your autobiography. That's not a long time. Uh, so, hi, Jess. Hi. Thank you so much for coming. Now, you are a teen mom book aficionado, Yes. Yes, I am. However, I have not read Deb's book and I have not read Farrah's erotic novels. I'm not sure if you can like get access to Farrah's erotic novels, but Tomlin has read Deb's book and says it's like pretty interesting. So you should probably read that one. I've I've been thinking about it. It's next on the list. So how would you say Leah's book holds up in terms of the other moms? Um, Okay. I would say Leah's book is, you know, it's, it's not great, but it's very interesting. It's better than Janelle's. And I would mm-hmm. say it's better than Amber's book. And I, you know, I think it might be one of the better ones because yeah. a lot of it was very unexpected. Okay. So I, as someone that's only read Janelle's, I agree. Cause first of all, Janelle's book was so fucking boring. I definitely, so boring. if you go back, Tomlin and I recapped Janelle's book, like forever ago on this podcast, maybe in 2017. I don't know when that came out, but a long time ago. And my biggest complaint about that book was how boring it was. Like considering this is Janelle with Janelle's life, like that thing should be action-packed. And I will say like Leah's was jammed full of stuff that happened that we did not know about as audience members. Um, It was definitely interesting. Of course, all of the juiciest bits had leaked, not leaked, like the Ashley got an advanced copy and was publishing about it, you know, and some of the, like the blogs are publishing these stories, but I will say like, she really included a lot of shit. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of shit that like, honestly, you would have had no fucking idea. 
none. Um, we did both agree that this book ends wildly abruptly. Like Leah just leaves rehab and then this book is over. And considering she was out of rehab in what, 2015, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> like it Addie was like end. two when she went to rehab and Addie's like seven now. So <laughs> yeah, there's also a lot of, um, okay, this book, one, Leah takes very little accountability for any of her behavior. She just kind of will chalk all of her behavior up to like not loving herself enough and dysfunction, which is like probably true, but I don't know. She definitely paints herself as just like a victim of life. Like everything in her life, she, like she acknowledges it happens she did to it. her. Yeah. Like she'll be like, like for cheating on Corey and even like when she's explaining going to rehab, she's like the people around me that should have been getting me help were either trying to cover up for me or just make me seem like a bad mother on TV. And I'm like, okay, but it wasn't Jeremy or Corey's job to get you help. Like you were divorced from them at the time. Like that wasn't their responsibility and they were trying to keep their kids safe. There's very... I would say this book is very, this should come as a surprise to no one. (laughs) It's very, very surface level. Uh, Leah doesn't actually have any like introspection. And I think a big part of that is because obviously she did not write this book herself. I think that this is always kind of an issue with ghost written memoirs is that I think it's very hard for a ghost writer to to have introspection, like to write that nuisance about somebody else's thought process. Yeah. Because they don't know. Yeah. And there are, like, these random little sides that will happen. It's just weird. Like, this book is weird. And, like, I cannot emphasize enough how short this book is. Because at one point, Addie is born. And you're 80. Like, according to my Kindle reader, I was at 80% when Addie was born. And like I said, Addie's seven years old. So. Yeah. I mean, it's about as thick as my Nintendo Switch. Yeah. I'm looking for a reference point. I think that she should advertise this as a book about her childhood. Yeah. Um, because to me, like some of the most interesting shit is her post rehab years moving TR in with her. Like she's still high a lot in these post rehab episodes. If you guys go back, Leah's worst season, in my opinion, is that one after rehab (laughs) when TR is living with her and she's not putting that on camera like that is a really really bad season for Leah she's driving around high she's really fucked up and that's after she went to rehab so I have a lot of questions about that the book kind of just ends with her being like and my girls gave me strength so now I'm great and it's like what that's all what yeah yeah so I guess we can just get started oh and the biggest revelations, I, my one more critique is the way that she talks about her mom is obviously horrifying. I'm sure a lot of you guys mm-hmm. have talked about on the podcast. I've posted on my Instagram, the stories she shares about her mom. Um, but it doesn't like, it's very hard for me to read what she's writing about her mom because it doesn't line up with the woman on the show at all. Like that we've seen fr- since 16 and pregnant, like Dawn has always seemed so mild-mannered on the show, so calm. So what she's writing is, like, kind of hard to conceptualize. And also, like, there's no information on, like, if her mom got better. Like, according to her, her mom's in, like, this great place. But, like, okay, how, like... Yeah. Okay, so how... Should we just begin at the beginning? Well, I would like to begin with a quote. Okay. that's all right with you. Okay. That's all right with me. 
I would like you to tell me who you think this quote is about. She was a 23-year-old single mother of three and desperately wanted emotional and financial support. I think that's her. It's about her mom. <laughs> With no irony or no sort of like introspection that, oh, also me. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, it's, I mean, she does a little, like occasionally she'll say like, she'll say that she's repeating that, you know, Leah's like loves yeah. to talk about cycles and like, generational trauma but it is interesting how I don't know in Leah's mind she's like all healed now and it seems like she's so many similarities that she doesn't seem she doesn't even imagine I mean obviously she didn't write this book but imagine reading that and not being like oh shit I'm just like my mom yeah I think that it's definitely like okay I how I can see a lot of these this the points in this book getting made is that the ghostwriter and Leah were talking and for instance when they talk about like Leah getting pregnant at 16 and in the book there's a line like and to be honest this was pretty normal with girls in my town like I can see like Leah just like talking about her life and the ghostwriter being like was that normal for girls in your town to get pregnant and get married when they're 16 and she'd be like yeah it was. And so then like the ghostwriter writes like, and that, and to be honest, that was normal in my town, but I don't think Leah like has that much of a grip around it. No, I don't either. So Leah lets us know that her mom got married to her dad when she was 16 16. and he was 23 years old. 25. They met when she was six. I'm on the page. It's a page 10. Uh, she was 16 and he was 25 and he was a preacher. Yes. Uh, they, she, her mom, Dawn had had a really difficult and awful childhood. Um, she had a really abusive alcoholic stepdad and saw marrying Leah's dad is basically just a way out. And shortly after they get married, her dad goes from being like a revival Baptist um, tent preacher to becoming a drug addict. There's also very little, like, introspection on that. Like, Leah's like, well, my mom says my dad fell in with the wrong crowd. And it's like, what? Like, he was in his late 20s when this happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's something not you something say you about, say a- about some. Yeah, that's something you say about a teenager. Yeah, that's not something an adult. say about a grown-ass man. Not an adult. <laughs> but I also, so his response to that is that what he had an injury and got prescribed opiates to help with the pain. Like, I don't, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, but he tells, he now says that he hurt his back and he got prescribed pills and that's how he got addicted to it, which I don't know, makes sense to me. But Leah basically says that her parents had a really awful marriage and her mom was working like a million hours to pick up the slack as her dad was just like this terrible drug addict. Actually, she calls her dad a junkie repeatedly through this, mm-hmm. which I was yep. kind of like, <laughs> you guys know okay. how I feel about the word junkie. It's not my favorite word. I also think it's like very bizarre to use in a book that you're supposedly writing to help end the stigmatization against stigmas stigmatization of drug addicts yeah and like what don't you think that's something she would have talked about in rehab yeah well i no, honestly no i don't think no. so no that's not really talked about all right that's um, 
I just, you would think like if your goal is to be like a motivational speaker, like Leah's is, and your yeah, goal. Yeah, you would think that you would have the right words, you know, yeah, you would like, uh, have the right language. You would yeah, like, say potentially offensive things to your audience. Exactly. I'm not saying Leah needs to be perfect, but like if this is her goal, like you think you would educate yourself a little bit on the subject before writing a book on it. <laughs> yeah. So there were a few things that happened. Uh, bef- Leah's parents divorced when she's five. Leah has two little sis- siblings, Victoria and Isaac, and a couple things happen while her parents are still married. One, um, right after Isaac was born and Dawn had already left her dad. I don't know if she ever used her dad's name. No, you know what? I don't think she did either. Oh, Gary. Okay. So Dawn had left Gary and then she gets pregnant again. So she goes back to Gary and right after Isaac is born, they are visiting um, like her grandmother or something. And Victoria Mm -hmm. and Lee are sitting in front of the TV and (laughs) they're watching the news and Leah's dad is suddenly on the news because he was arrested for soliciting soliciting a prostitute, a sex worker. And so then Leah's mom, Dawn, goes and bails him out of jail. And it's humiliating because they're from this very small town. And she still stays with him. Apparently, when she goes to the bail bondsman, goes to talk to him, the bail person was like, you're going to get him out? You're the wife? Like, what is wrong with you? But according to Leah, Dawn just always felt like, it's not hurting my kids. So it's just easier to stay with him. Eventually, um, Dawn was at one of her many jobs. I believe she was working as a janitor at the, at a hospital and Leah was supposed to be being watched by her dad. She was with a cousin and Leah got a knife and cut herself very badly when she was five. Um, they had to go to the hospital and this is when Dawn finally left Gary for good because it was like, now my kids are being put in danger. And this is like the dichotomy of Dawn in this book where sometimes she seems really checked in and like this, like super, like not super mom, but like protective mom. And then other times it's like, I don't know. Dawn doesn't make a lot of sense as a character in this book. No, she doesn't. But she, yeah, she like she swoops in and she has a moment of clarity and is like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. But doesn't um, Leah say that uh, Dawn is bipolar? Yes. So there is a moment where she's like, my mom had been diagnosed when they're, she's around 14, I think. She's like, my mom had been diagnosed with bipolar, but wasn't taking her meds. So she was really unstable. And I'm like, okay, but like, was she I mean, obviously she was probably always bipolar most of Leah's life, but like the way she describes her, the rest of the book doesn't give me, this sounds crazy, but it doesn't give me like bipolar, but like, it doesn't sound like she's describing a parent that's bipolar, except in these like one particular scene. Yeah. But you know what? Since Dawn had her so young, sometimes bipolar doesn't present until you're already in your twenties. And if Dawn had Leah when she was 16. Yeah. She could have been one of those cases where like, it didn't really present until Dawn was in her early 30s. I think that can happen. Or it could, it could even be like mid 20s. Yeah. And it didn't so get really bad. Remember her, yeah, it didn't get bad until that is true. You know, she was in her mid to late 20s, but she already had, you know, 10 year old kids. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, another thing about this book is that Lee is constantly mentioning towns in West Virginia as if they mean anything to us. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I know where the fuck this is. She like I- is constantly being like, and then I lived in this town, and then I lived in that town, and then I lived in this town, and then we moved back to this town, and then we lived on this road. And it's like none of this information. She'll even be like, Corey and I went to the movies in South Charleston. It's like, <laughs> who cares? Just say you went to the well, movies. Even worse, I'm, so on this one page, there's two counties in West Virginia listed. I don't know where the county is in New Jersey, where I live. So what makes you think that I know the counties in West Virginia? I don't know where Boone County and Mango well, County, West Virginia are. Boone County is the county that the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia takes place in. Ah, okay. So you're So I, I do Boone know county. Boone County, but the rest, yeah, there were so many, and it was very unnecessary. Like, all she had to be... She's using these because they moved around so much, but not in a way that like makes sense to a reader. All she had to say was like, <laughs> then we lived here. Then we lived there. Yeah. I can't relate. No, can't relate. So Leah talks about how she never really fitted in school. She always had a ton of anxiety and depression, which totally tracks to me. Um, she was always very passive and would never speak up for herself. And they would move all of the time. So she went to like a million different schools, which once again, like I will say the one thing I'll definitely give Leah credit for when reading this book is like a lot of it does make sense as far as like when I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense to me as Leah. Like I can see Leah as a child like this. Mm -hmm. I can see this. Yeah, definitely. So Leah, um, I think the first big revelation is that Leah was molested by a female family friend for about six months of her life. Um, Her mom would drop her off at a babysitter, which because her mom was working like three jobs to support them. And the babysitter had an older daughter um, who would Mm -hmm. molest Leah. And obviously that's extremely sad. Obviously it very much tracks with what we've seen with Leah's behavior um, it all makes a lot of sense to me that she was like, when I, when I read that in like an excerpt of it, you know, I was like, oh yeah. Okay. I, like, obviously it was like sad, <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, like I feel sadness, but I was like, I've never been like less surprised by anything. I was surprised that it, you know, you had, I don't know what page it's on, but you know, it wasn't early in the book that that comes up. That came up a little bit later which really surprised me because I feel like that's such a huge thing that shapes you as a person. Yeah. Like you're telling your life story. What do you, you put that at the beginning? You know, I think that she um, hadn't fully, I think she still maybe hasn't fully plugged in like how much of effect that probably had on her because I think that was, I don't know how to explain this. I think that it's not as loud as the rest of her trauma. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it happened to her for six months. It was really bad when it was happening. But I think, like, in the face of um, living with your abusive mom, like, every day, I think it's just much easier. Easier might not be the right word. It just feels, like, more natural to focus on that because it's just so much loud. Like, it's just the thing that, like, you constantly were dealing with as opposed to this thing that happened over, like, a six-month period. And, I like, I can understand that, that... Like, I, because I know that's kind of the case for me. Like, I was molested when I was five by a, a, like, kind of a similar story by, like, an older neighbor. And obviously, like, it impacted me. And I, now that I've had, like, a lot of therapy and sobriety, I can see how that, like, 
impacted a lot of like my younger childhood behavior, which then impacted, you know what I mean? Like it was like a snowball effect, Mm -hmm. but I know growing up the thing that like felt the loudest was like abusive parents because that's like something that you're living with all the time. Um, but I agree. Mm -hmm. And I would, it was also like, just like two pages, if that, maybe a page and like no other reflection on it. No, like maybe this is happened, how this is impacting me this way. No, this is how I'm making sure this doesn't happen to my daughters. Really no reflection on it at all. No, it was just like, and then this happened and then something else happened. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's right. I mean, it's sad, but I also think for Leah, like I kind of wonder if because it stopped pretty I mean, it was six months is a long time, but like, is once they stopped going to that babysitter, it just like didn't happen again. So maybe she just feels like, oh, well, this is another thing that happened. Mm-hmm. In like the clusterfuck of her childhood, it's yes. just another thing that happened that maybe in comparison in her mind isn't as big of a deal as some of the other things. Yes. So there is talk of Leah's dad would go in and out of the picture. Like he would show up and then not show up for years and years and years. And she tells this story about, I think she's 10 at this point. How old was she when she went to Florida to visit her dad? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that she was older than 10, maybe eight. She went with Victoria. Yeah. She's young. They all went. So basically I guess what happened is she, (laughs) this is another weird thing. So, her dad will pop up and demand visitations and he had mandated court ordered visitations from like when her parents got a divorce and her Lee would be like, well, my mom had to send us because he had those mandated visits. And I'm like, but did she? She did not. (laughs) What was he going to do about it? (laughs) That's my thing. Like he was in Florida. Like, what was he going to do? Be like, oh, and I've never paid child support once in my fucking life. Like, and fly up I have to not Florida. taken advantage of any of the time I'm supposed to have. But now, on this day, you have to cut my fucking trailer. No. Like, her mom could have been like, no, fight me. But she yeah. didn't. Yeah. She, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So her mom would let them go to these visits with, like, this agreement that, like, her aunt and uncle would check in. But basically, she... I mean, allow, like, I guess it is their dad, but she allowed her kids to just like go to Florida and stay with her dad. And it was really awful. They spent the whole trip, like just watching their dad get high and drink. And at one point he like sends the girls out to collect cans and Mm -hmm. in the field across the highway. Yes. He specifically is like, go to that field across the highway. And then like his girlfriend was there and she came in and was like, told the dad that Leah was across the street where she wasn't supposed to be. Her dad comes out and is screaming at her. And so she has like a natural child reaction where she kind of like panics and runs across the street and is almost hit by an 18 wheeler. And like it freaked her out so much that she almost like ran towards the truck she explains it this way like I think her little baby brain was just like so panicked and her dad got so mad at her that he like beat the shit out of her he said uh he grabbed a switch from the pile of wood next to the fire pit pulled down my pants and started whipping me with it yeah like whipping whipping and Victoria jumps on his back at one point trying to like uh, get her off. And the girlfriend was like, if you keep struggling, it's going to be worse. So just accept it. 
And he, like I said, beat the shit out of her. Her aunt and uncle show up the next day to check on her. And right away, Victoria's like, dad beat her. And so they, I, does their mom come and get them? or they? But they go home almost immediately. Yeah, I think her mom comes and gets them. But what I find interesting is that this chapter is called Daddy's Girl. Yeah. Like, despite this god-awful story where her Thai father is like, go across the street and get some cans. And then his girlfriend comes back and is like, yo, why are your kids across the street? And he's like, get your ass back here. And then beats her when she almost gets hit by a car. Daddy's Girl. It's sick. What? Like, what? Yeah. Hi, everyone. We'll be right back after a very quick break. Yeah, to call it Daddy's Girl, um, I would say maybe they're trying to go for irony, but, like, it, I don't think so. And it does, like, it doesn't come across that way. And even in the book, she's not really talking about how she wanted to be Daddy's Girl. Like, well, I thought she was talking about earlier, you know, I did read this a few weeks ago about how she like loved her dad and like, you know, was so excited to see him. And like the title is just so dark to me. Yeah, I guess she was. I guess she was saying that. I don't know. I think that that's like a dark, it is a dark title to let, because I, because none of this book is like said in any irony or sarcasm. No. And so, she's not that smart. You know? Yeah. Yeah, to have like this, but yeah, the the visit to her dad is like really horrific. Hearing her talk about getting beat with a switch, um, it apparently was like a normal thing in her childhood. There was one other mention of being beat with a switch, right? Um, I'm not sure. She, there was one. I think her grandma would. I don't. She mentions it another time. By the way, Grandma Sandy was one of twenty children. (laughs) I know. That's like Duggar level yeah. of children. And she was in the middle. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. I can't imagine having 20. I mean, your whole, all your childbearing years are spent being pregnant. No, I can't. I, nope, truly can't. Especially like being <laughs> I poor, to think poor about and it, having though. 20 kids. Like 20 kids you can't afford. Ooh. Where do you live? I don't know. How many bedrooms does your house have? probably very little and everybody just lives on top of each other how do you feed them I that's don't... the question how do you feed them i get i i think you don't really not enough oh man yeah different 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 lives very so leah throughout this book talks about one switching schools a lot and two just kind of how little she goes to school Um, she really emphasizes that her mom had dropped out of school when she was in eighth grade. So her mom Mm -hmm. just like had never valued education. And Leah even says like, to be honest, I think it was easier for my mom when I skipped school because then I could like help and do chores around the house. And Leah talks a lot about how from a very young age, she took on a caretaker role for her brother and sister because she just, her mom was always working like a million jobs. Her mom Mm -hmm. married her stepdad Lee, like pretty early on in the picture, but Leah's very much a non-factor in this book, except for Leah kind of talking about how she didn't like Lee, but you don't really get any understanding of, like, what living with Lee was like, how he was as, like, a parent, like, who was, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really get any understanding of that, but Mm -hmm. according to um, Leah, she just, like, basically never went to school because her mom just didn't value education. Yeah, I think she said she missed half of seventh grade and maybe all of eighth grade. All of eighth grade. 
So yeah. And her mom was just like, her mom was, you know, air quotes, homeschooling her. Mm-hmm. But because her mom only finished eighth grade, she couldn't homeschool her for high school. Yep. She could not homeschool her mom for high school. Or her mom could not homeschool her because she wasn't qualified is what the state said, I guess. But so something, oh, I've already forgotten. Something happened that Leah just decided she was not going to be going to school anymore when she was in seventh grade. And her mom was just yeah. like, okay. And then just didn't make her go to the eighth grade. I, I can't imagine being like, mom, this, this embarrassing, I don't even remember what it was, but this embarrassing thing happened to me at school. I can't go back and her being like, okay. Yeah, I can't. You asked back in school. I really cares. I really can't remember what it was, so it must not have been that well, significant. Exactly. If it, we can't remember, and you just read it, like I yeah, literally, I literally just finished reading it today. Read it like yesterday and today, and I don't remember at all why she decided to stop going to school. I think something happened with, um, like switching around the schools, and then she got to a school that she didn't like, and. Um, she just never was able to make friends. And I, there was a sign, there was an event, but like I said, I'm sorry. I just don't remember what the event was, but yeah, Leah just stopped going to school. And sometime at that point, um, because she wasn't in school, Lee was going, her stepdad Lee was going down to Florida to help caretake for a family friend. And they brought, Lee brought Leah with him because they, she wasn't in school. And when she was there, she had reconnected with this guy that was a family friend one of her mom's best friend's kids who was 18 years old well Leah was 13 years old yes Leah was 13 years old and she and this guy had like this crazy adventure where they like got stuck on kayaks and it was just like the most thrilling thing to a 13 year old girl like I could so she's explaining this like thing they paddled out too far then they almost get stuck and they have to like walk a mile back with kayaks like I can definitely understand that feeling of like, oh my God, I have such a crush on this guy. And we just did this like crazy adventure together. And now we're like bonded forever. Oh, absolutely. And Leah really likes, but I don't remember what his name was, but Leah, Josh, Josh, Leah really likes Josh and she gets home and they talk on AIM all the time. And she thinks that they're the references to AOL Instant Messenger away messages. (laughs) It was a really, it was a throwback. And she really likes this guy and he lives close to her. So one day when her parents are gone, she invites him over and they go up into her bedroom and they go, she had never even kissed a guy before and he like wanted to have sex with her. So they did. And that was that. And that was that. That's like the, that's so, so, it's so sad. And like, it's also so gross like there is such a huge difference between a 13 year old and an 18 year old such a huge difference and I will say I don't know if this was the ghostwriter if it was Leah I will say one thing that I will give Leah a lot of credit for is like acknowledging um how fucked up her ideas were around sex and how inappropriate it was for her to be dating such an older guy and they definitely acknowledge that in the book yeah, and she definitely looks back on this through an adult lens, thinking this was not okay, and why wasn't anyone around me telling me it wasn't okay? Yeah, she says that a lo- about a lot of stuff. Like, that's why this book isn't bad. Do you know what I like? This 
Like, this book yeah. is bad. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Lee, Janelle's book was so fucking boring and stupid that I, at the end of it, I was, like, a little angry about it. But I definitely <laughs> didn't feel that way about Leah's. I was just like, why did this just end? Like, like I was like, okay, so tell us the rest of it, bitch. But, like, she does have, like, well, it's all very. My issue with it is that it's, like, pretty surface level and that there's not a lot of like in her older years, like I would say older years is like from the, when the twins were born on is when I feel like she Mm -hmm. doesn't take a lot of responsibility for what's going on in her life. But like, as far as talking about her childhood, I actually think that she does a pretty good job and has like a decent amount of, um, like understanding of this is how I was affected by my culture. Like, this Mm -hmm. is how my mom affected me. And like the fact that she says that, like part of the reason that she thinks she was like so into Josh was because her mom and her mom's friend, who is Josh's mom, was like always encouraging it so much. Yeah. And yeah. it just she's like, it was just normal to me, which looking back is really hard for me to wrap my head around. And I will say that I was impressed with that aspect of it. I was impressed with, I mean, it's all relative, I guess, but the honesty she has about her childhood. Yeah. Up until MTV. I think that she is very honest about her life up until maybe Addie is born. Um, I think maybe before. a little bit before, but I, no. yeah, I think that she has a lot of trouble with what happened with Corey and taking responsibility mm-hmm. for what happened with Corey. And so that's when she starts. I wouldn't say Leah's. No, actually, I do think we'll get into what I think she's specifically lying about. But I think she also. So there's this trope in writing called the Mary Sue, which is like, if you've read Holly Madison's book, um, I think she's one of the best examples of a memoir, Mary Sue, where she just is like, has never done a bad thing in her life. And like all of these Mm -hmm. bad things just happen to happen to her. But Mm -hmm. I would say Leah like gets a little bit of that as she gets older. And, but when she's younger, yeah, she definitely talks, like, she's very honest about it. Like, I, you know, I think she's honest in a way that like Janelle is not. And, yes. Um, you know, Kale, maybe Kale. Kale's pretty honest about her mom. I read the book a long time ago, but Amber is not honest in the way I don't think that Leah is. And like, what I don't know, what just I keep thinking about is like, you know, looking at her on TV, you wouldn't know that all of these horrible things happened to her. Yeah, you really wouldn't. And like, you would never get, I mean, Dawn's not great on TV. Don't get me wrong. Like Dawn but she's is not had, this. She's not this. She's not this at all. Like she's not an 18, she's not a, encouraging her 13 year old daughter to sleep with an 18 year old bad. Yeah. Um, she's just so, like, you know, making bad choices. Exactly. So Leah and Josh continue to like have a relationship, although Leah's pretty clear in the book that like she thought they were in a relationship and Josh didn't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like really in teenage, like she really is just wanting to be with him. Mm-hmm. And at one point her dad pops back into the picture. So once again, he uses his court ordered visitation and they go back down to Florida. And when she's there, Leah, because she didn't have any understanding of like, I don't mean to laugh. She didn't really understand anything about like how you got pregnant and like <laughs> uh, she just had no sex education, right? Like she literally wasn't even in school at this point. She right. didn't really understand like <laughs> not even like a failure of the of the West Virginia education system. <laughs> no. Because Leah didn't even go to fucking school. No, Leah was not even in school, which by the way, like what an interesting storyline that would be on Team Mom to like actually have somebody admit like, yeah, I didn't even go to school. <laughs> like, I didn't even go to eighth grade. Yeah. I just can't imagine like, 
no. just not like somebody in my town I went to public school but like someone just like not going to eighth grade and then coming back in ninth grade and being like well where the fuck were you for the past year and a half yeah no I can't well I think she was able to do it because she didn't have friends and because she had she went to so many different schools yeah that's true and so I think Leah just like disappearing was like oh that new girl just isn't back yeah but I mean like from the school's point of view <laughs> yeah <laughs> You would think. So Leah's in Florida and she tells her sister that she thinks she's pregnant. Even though her and Josh had always used condoms, she just didn't really know. And so Leah calls her mom for some reason. (laughs) And even though her mom is like crazy and she knows her mom is crazy, she calls her mom and tells her that she thinks she's pregnant. Um, Really over nothing. I remember as a a small kid before I understood how you got pregnant, like being worried that I was pregnant. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like the first time I got my period, I was like, am I pregnant? I Is think this- I just was like, I remember like maybe being a little younger than that, but just like not fully understanding being like, could I be pregnant? Like <laughs> just like not, but, just like- but it, it was never like, I'm going to ask my mom. No. It was like, no, no. I was like, no, no, you're not you're not but Leah decides to call her mom so Leah's mom and Josh's mom drive the 10 hours from West Virginia to Florida um and right away make her take a pregnancy test and of course not of course but she's not pregnant and Leah's mom is like fuck this like we're getting you the depot shot right away which Mm -hmm. is weird because I will say Leah looks back at this kind of harshly but I actually think this was probably the best decision Dawn ever made as a parent oh yeah (laughs) so the one thing that I will say and Leah's right she says so her mom basically approached the situation like well you're having sex and we don't want you to get pregnant so I'm gonna go get you the depot shot and if you don't know audience the depot shot you get it every three months but as far as birth control for a teenager besides like the arm implant it's probably one of the better Uh, choices of birth control for a teenager if you're willing to take your teen to the doctor every three months because you don't have to worry about them taking it every day yeah they're not going to miss a pill yeah like with birth control pills or like you know or even the nuva ring take it out exactly like there's no user error with something like the depot shot and like i do know a lot of ob's won't do like marina for younger people yeah um, and this might have been so it's a good plan, you know, like the arm and yeah. might not have even existed at this point. Yeah. And you know, I don't fault Dawn for that. No, but what Leah does say, and she's right, is that what Dawn focused on was like, okay, you're having sex. We need to get you on birth control. What she should have also been focusing on is like, why is my 13 year old having sex? Is she ready to have sex? My 13 year old doesn't even really understand how you get pregnant and is so freaked out that she could be pregnant for kind of no reason besides the fact that she had sex. Like there's a major issue going on here and that Dawn wasn't like capable of being like, hey, are you ready to have sex? Like, why are you having sex? And I I do think that's true. And I kind of have always thought that Dawn had a... um, low IQ like I I feel like I've always said this about Dawn like she she doesn't come off to me as very bright uh and I would imagine she's a low EQ as well and that's what I was going to say yeah and so I think for Dawn I don't think she's really capable of reflecting on it that way which is sad for Leah but I do think her like getting her on the depot shot was probably one of the better parenting decisions she ever made 
I think in this situation, Dawn was doing her best, you know, as someone who left school in eighth grade and married somebody when she was 16. I don't think Dawn's got a whole lot of, you know, words of wisdom to, to give to her teenage daughter there. And I don't think that she has the capacity to think, well, why is my 13-year-old having sex? Because she was probably having sex at 13. And yes. so for her, like, oh, okay. It's, you know, it's that time of her life. So let's, and I think truly she thinks she's doing her best. And I think she did for what her capacity was. I think she was doing her best. And she thought, well, at least she won't get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that for Dawn, like that, and I think we kind of see this a lot on 16 and Pregnant, especially in the families where it's like a cycle of teenage pregnancy, mm-hmm. right? Where like it's, like Leah's family, it's literally generations of teenage pregnancy. Yeah. She's a third um, generation. Yeah. That I we mean, know of. That we don't we know, know what her of. grandma's mom is like. You know. Exactly. So. Well, she was in the middle of 20 kids. So she probably, it probably her, was a teen She probably was not a teen mother. <laughs> well, no. Like the mom probably well, her, was a teen probably, mom, the first yes. one. But Leah's grandmother, Sandy, was probably in the mid-20s. No, Leah's oh. grandma, Sandy, was a teen mom. No, 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 I'm saying um, her, her, Leah's great-grandmother. Yeah, I would probably argue, a teen mom, but yes. not a teenager when Sandy was born. Correct. Okay, yes, we're on the same page. <laughs> um, <laughs> but was probably a teen mom because Cause she know, had, was able so to have many so many childbearing kids. years. Yeah. And, and, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, completely agree. So <laughs> I think that we kind of see this a lot where it's like the ultimate goal is for them not to get pregnant. And maybe mm-hmm. not anything beyond that. And I think for Dawn, that really was like, we just need to make sure Leah doesn't get pregnant for as long as possible. And I think that that, like, it sucks for Leah that that was the case. But I do think that was the case because, like she said, like, Dawn didn't value education. I don't think Dawn no. had the mental, beyond just, like, being mentally ill, like, having untreated bipolar disorder, like, working multiple jobs to support her family. Like, I don't think... Dawn had the mental capacity or like the mental energy to like think beyond like we just need her to not get pregnant. I totally agree. I feel like she didn't grow up with people who went to college and got you know white collar jobs or you know for the women honestly got jobs. So for at all, yeah, she like like she's her little world. world Best case scenario is like she becomes a mom and marry some guy who doesn't beat her like that is the best we can hope for for Leah so I don't I don't know how much I can really fault her for when when your world is that small I don't know how much I can blame her for like not being able to think bigger with her limited education with her limited intelligence with her limited you know emotional intelligence I completely agree um it was kind, it's kind of similar when you watch Caitlin and Tyler's 16 and Pregnant episode and you hear them talking about Brandon and Teresa, who yeah. by all accounts, like, are probably just, like, upper middle class. Like, they don't – their people. house is, like, a nice four-bedroom home. Like, Brandon is a financial advisor or something. But they're not – you know what I mean? Like, mega billionaires. They're not – like honestly, yeah, they are to Caitlin and Tyler. In 2020, Caitlin and Tyler probably make more money than Brandon and Teresa do, like significantly I think more that money. They make more money than Brandon and Teresa could ever dream of. Yeah, honestly, in but 2020, like, but Brandon at the and time, Teresa totally live in. Right. Yeah, they live in Ohio. Like they live like a nice upper middle class suburban low cost living area life, right? 
But yeah, at the time I do remember when I recorded my 16 and pregnant episode asking like, I wonder if Tyler even knew anybody who wore a suit to work. Yeah. I remember you saying that that you, you said you bet people, they didn't know anyone who wore a suit to work. Because of the way, like with reverence, he was speaking to Brandon and Teresa and just like their life seemed so perfect and honest, totally unimaginable to Caitlin and Tyler. And I think that that's kind of like what Dawn is probably like and what Dawn is probably thinking. And her goal is like, if we can get Leah to like 16 or 17 before she gets pregnant, then we've succeeded. Yeah. 13 is too young. We can't deal with 13. Like we can all acknowledge 13 is bad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like 16, 17, 18, it seems like that was normal for girls in Leah's town, which still feels crazy to me because I don't know. It's just so different than my life experience. Did any girls in your high school get pregnant? One. Well, two. One in my grade that we, like, and I've talked about, well, okay, I want to clarify. I've said this on the podcast before. There was one girl in my school that gave birth shortly after we graduated from high school um, that she was the only girl that can, like, had a pregnancy to term in our grade. I mean, was she the only girl that got pregnant? Of course not. You know what I mean? Like, God mm-hmm. only knows how many girls got abortions in my school. Um, mm-hmm. But there were no other, like, or that stayed in school. There could have definitely been other, I mean, I went, there were 500 kids in my graduating class. I definitely didn't know everyone. So it's very possible that other girls had gotten pregnant and then left school, like, before they started showing. So people didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one girl in my class and then there was another girl that was a year younger than me and her when I was, maybe when I was a senior and she was a junior, it might've been the year before that though. But I think going into my senior year, her boyfriend had died in a car accident and then she found out she was pregnant after oh God. a very honestly, like really a 16 and pregnant situation. If you've that ever, is that ever heard one, one. The, remember, I know the one, the guy oh, who drowns. Yeah. The that was thing very got, hard. No, yeah. but this was. She had, I think this one, she didn't even know she was pregnant until after he died. Oh. I think she found out after he died. Um, and it was really sad. And actually I just saw a picture cause we have a, a mutual friend still, like a girl that we're still mm-hmm. both friends with. And she, um, that kid is like, I mean like 14, like, oh my God. <laughs> it makes sense. Cause I'm 32, but well, I, saw, yeah. I was like, holy shit. But yeah, so that was the only, those were the only two girls that I was aware of that had pregnancies to term. But I always do like to be clear when I say this, that those aren't the only girls getting pregnant. They're the only girls having babies. Right. Which is a big Um, difference because I'm sure a ton of other girls got pregnant, but we were middle to upper middle class people. So like those girls got abortions. Right. So in my high school, a girl in the grade above me had a baby. And the school worked with her 100% and, like, let her rearrange her schedule around her childcare, and that was really great. And then a girl in my grade, her older sister, had two abortions. And I just remember um, there was a program in my high school called The Young Child where it was, like, public was free for the parents it was public preschool but you had like high schoolers we had that helping out yeah we had that but it was the teachers sent their kids there and it was the early I think it was called child development was like the and you had it was like an elective and you had to commit two years of it yeah oh so we did um if you did two years in your second year you got to go to the elementary schools but so um the the teacher was she was such a sweetie she was so nice and she said that you know, she, she had a miscarriage and she was very upset and she told the class and then a girl 
in the class who was a girl my grade's older sister said um you know I know how you feel I just had my second abortion <laughs> and she told she she told us like the teacher didn't tell us the name of the student or anything but she said it like the nicest way possible you would have thought she would have learned from oh. the first one. Oh, yikes. But, she, but it was yikes, but she just meant it like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she was such a nice teacher. But yeah, so like, I'm, I'm you know, because my high school was like 200 people maybe in my grade. I think I'm friends with 90% of them on Facebook. And I don't think, no one that I was in my grade had a baby that yeah. I could tell that was not on purpose or at least for the first like couple years after high school. And I don't know about the people below me, but you know, where I grew up in upper, upper middle class, New Jersey, you didn't have a baby in high school. No. And it just goes to show that socioeconomics really fucking matter. And really your parents matter. not being teen parents really matters. And your parents level of education mean like shapes has a big effect on like if you will have if you will be going to college and if your parents went to college and expected of you to go to college you're less likely to carry a pregnancy to term in high school because you're more likely to just follow along with what your parents did like I've talked about this on the podcast there was no when I graduated from high school like you asked every single person like well where are you going to college and if anybody said community college you're like oh (laughs) If anyone said Rutgers, you were like, which is a fine school, by the way. If anyone said Rutgers, people were like, why? Yeah. Like everyone that was also everyone went to a good college in my high school. That was also in the age where like they were like, Do you you want to go to Oberlin to get a creative writing degree? Like you should do that and take out loans to do that. It's your dream (laughs) school. (laughs) Oh my god. I remember they just like student loan thing. They just like so my cousin graduated from high school maybe three years ago. And I remember my aunt and uncle telling me that like at their school, they were like heavily encouraged to check out state schools and like get the best deal that they can and like take out as little loans as they can. That was I No, it was like, no, it was like, go, it was like apply to your dream school. If you get yeah. in, go there no matter what. And I do yeah. remember like there were a couple really smart kids in my grade that ended up going to Penn State on full rides and everyone would be like, I don't really understand why they're not going to Columbia. Like it's yeah, crazy. Same thing like, about this one people kid, going to This one kid got into Stanford and he ended up going to Penn State because Penn State gave him a full ride. And I remember there was a lot of talk of being like, well, why is he doing that? Because like, yeah. because we had no concept of like, because you shouldn't take out $200,000 in loan for your undergrad when a school that's a very good school will give it to you for fucking free, you idiot. Because yeah, had, and like, you'll it, get your entry level <laughs> position and make 30 grand a year <laughs> and like, and die with that debt. Yeah. Like there was no, it's just so crazy. Like how different the conversation was. And yeah, I mean, at my school, there just weren't, there weren't teen pregnant or like teen mothers there just really weren't and mm-hmm. there I mean, were definitely I, people having sex but definitely either they didn't get pregnant sex. or they didn't stay pregnant well I think it was a, a ton of things I think you had more access to we had like comprehensive sex education in our school we so I think girls were on birth control I think condoms were like easy enough to get I think plan b was already a thing at that time you could go get like you could go to the Planned Parenthood to get a plan B. You still needed a prescription for it then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like there was definitely just options that like clearly were not available for Leah. Like in third 
in eighth grade, if I had been having sex in eighth grade, which I was not, um, I didn't have sex until I was a senior, but if I had been having sex in eighth grade, like I definitely think I would have had an understanding of how you could get, like if I was pregnant or not, because I had already had like really comprehensive sex education by that point. Yeah. I'm trying to think back and I don't remember. I remember like the first sex education we had in fifth grade. Me too. And they split the boys and the girls (laughs) up and they they gave deodorant out. Yes. Well, I remember that. And then I remember high school because I remember, um, I remember my teacher was like, she was a great health teacher. She was very cool. She was like, listen, because you know, health class also taught about drugs. And she was like, listen, if you're going to go do acid, don't do it at a rock concert. <laughs> I could tell she was speaking from experience. Oh my God. But we she like this, couldn't say that. <laughs> we watched this video in health class. I remember and I was in 10th grade and <laughs> it was this guy explaining, it was about PCP and it was like from the seventies. And this mom was saying that she paid one of his friends to like go, like to punch her son in the face every time he tried to get more PCP. I was like, what? That's wild. <laughs> what is this? We didn't have that video. Oh, God. But yeah, so I don't know how we got here, but Leah definitely- That's Leah. Leah definitely is- She didn't have that same sex education that we had. She did not. She didn't have the same expectation of going to college. She didn't even have the same no. expectation of going to middle school. She did not- um, Oh, another thing that's, I would say, important, like, I would say most of the kids I know, at least through maybe ninth or 10th grade, were always in extracurriculars. Like, your parents were driving you all over town to do a million different things. Like, we were busy as kids. When I was through ninth grade, when I went to public school, I kind of stopped playing sports because it was just like, "Mm, I'm not that good. And it was easier in my small private school. But like, through ninth grade, I was in three sports a year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. After school, I even in like, not even traveling. Like my town had rec program. So like, yeah. you don't have to be good. You no. just have to sign up. But like Leah talks about in this book, how like she couldn't do any after school activities really. Oh, it was the basketball team is why she stopped going. I think something happened with the basketball team. Um, she tried to play basketball and something bad. Is Leah happened. tall? Like I don't remember. No, but she like wanted to do an extracurricular and she couldn't. Something happened. Her mom came and pulled her out of the basketball team and then she never went to school again I can't remember what it was but this is a common thing that her mom would like come to the school or her grandma like an adult figure would come to the school and like pull Leah out of class um and embarrass her because her mom I guess was had untreated bipolar disorder yeah something Mm -hmm. happened with the basketball team and Leah being really embarrassed so she just like didn't go back um, which is kind of another common theme in Leah's life that she would like get embarrassed and then just like stop going to that school. There was also a ton of talk of like, Leah would be like, so I like for two weeks, I went to a different high school and then switched back. And I'm like, what? Yeah. She was constantly like switching herself to different schools, which is something my yeah. grandmother told me she did in the 1930s when she decided <laughs> she wanted to go to girls high school in Philadelphia, a very famous school in Philadelphia. So she just like went to the school and enrolled herself. But also when she was that age, she was going to Ocean City for the summers by herself and working, <laughs> and living in a boarding house. Yeah, I yeah. And the, but like Leah's life that. seemed very similar to my grandmother's is what I'm saying. But my grandma lived in 1930. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe West Virginia is a little bit behind the times but, there. But do you know what? Like Leah's story definitely feels very, at least like 
from my life, like very, like my grandma is telling me a story because it just seems so implausible. It seems so far removed. You know, I know that I'm like a privileged person, but it just seems so far from removed from anything I could even consider. Well, I think it's a good reminder that like, at least there are you and my privilege asses that like our experience is not what everybody had. And I, I, I mean, I am aware of that, but these reminders yeah. of like, just the idea of anybody in my town being able to like get themselves, first of all, good luck getting like your high school changed to a different County. They'd be like sending the police to make sure that's your, <laughs> actually your dress. And then like arresting your parents for trying to like send you to a different school. Like, yeah. There was no you just, just like hopping to a different school district. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can just be like, surprise, I'm in yeah, town. That shit was regulated. Um, yeah. So Leah's next thing. So eventually, she has to go back to school in ninth grade yeah. because because her, her mom's mom did not had eighth grade. They're living in this place called South Charl in Charleston, which is the capital of West Virginia, and she said. Actually, this is the first time in her life that she ever really felt poor because she had always gone to schools like in the country and like everybody was kind of at the same like socioeconomic level she was. And so Mm -hmm. like it didn't really matter. She came to school in hand-me-downs and raggedy clothes, like everybody else was the same. And then she goes to the school in ninth grade and like very much doesn't fit in, but decides to try cheerleading. And it's the first time in her life she's like really like found something that she liked and she was really happy. And then she meets Robbie. Mm-hmm. Robbie, as you all know, is the guy that Leah continues to hook up with for the next like 10 years of her life. <laughs> and Leah and Robbie are on and off again for a long time. Her and Josh had like broken up. She actually says Josh ghosted her, which I found like to be a funny use of, I don't know. I was like, that's a very, um, it's like a very, sign like, of 50 year old woman using the term well it's also very like sign of the times word that like not that anybody's going to be reading this book in 10 years but will people still be saying ghosted you know what i mean yeah they won't it's like writing fomo <laughs> you're totally like, right. like yeah, i you're totally such right. bad like, FOMO. Like, lol <laughs> yeah um so josh like ghosts her and she meets robbie and there's actually nothing that significant about her relationship with robbie as a teen um she really liked his family she um she wanted to fight some bitches oh 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 yeah 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 okay so we should talk about that good point so i was gonna skip ahead to the chapter titled okay uh fight or flight great perfect and i have a dog-eared i would like to read a a part that uh reminded me of my my childhood um (laughs) so this other girl (laughs) this other girl would like you know flirt with robbie and like i don't know flaunt I think Robbie was a year younger than her. Mm-hmm. So um, she said, so she would flirt with Robbie every day at school and then post nasty away messages about me on AIM and MySpace. <laughs> and I was like, wow, AIM? <laughs> Remember posting away messages? Yeah, I miss away messages. Yes. So then she's like, this girl's causing trouble. And so she went up and confronted this girl and the girl got away. But then... Her grandmother told her. She said, "Oh, when her I, grandma. When I, her grandma came to school to tell her. Yes. When I finally told my mom and my grandma what had been going on, their response was that I needed to fight this girl. My grandma even came down to the school one day and pulled me out of class to tell me that I needed to kick her ass right then and there, or I'd be in trouble with her. Can you imagine your grandmother? 
nope. telling you, you better beat this girl's ass or you'll have hell to pay with me because I can't. No, I really, I cannot. And so Leah went and punched her in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then she was like on probation, right? Yeah. She beat the girl so bad that Leah ended up being arrested and having to be on juvenile probation for six months because the girl's parents pressed charges because she beat the yeah. shit out of her, like totally unprompted. <laughs> And then her grandmother had to pay the hospital bills, which honestly, she should have because yeah. don't tell your granddaughter to beat some other girl. We should talk about ass. this though. Leah lets us know that she was actually quite a good fighter because even though she was small, did you notice how Leah like, she constantly talks about like how little and thin she is in this book. Like, like I'm so skinny. There are a lot of references to, like how tiny she is, like a lot. <laughs> I don't know. It's like such a silly thing, but I noticed. Like, we've seen you on TV, bitch. Yeah, like, we, we know. know. <laughs> but she says, so when she was 10, her school had what she, so she wrote what I could only describe as a fight club. Which and that was your all, clue that it was a ghostwriter. Right? Yeah, it's just such a, like, could you ever imagine Leah, like, talking about something and being like, I could only, I describe, could only describe it as. <laughs> no. No, she would never oh talk like God. that. But Leah. <laughs> Leah decided that, she, or when she was a kid, her and like the other kids would meet up after school and just fight. And she learned to fight well at this fight club of hers. It eventually got shut down for some reason that I can't remember. But she's like, yeah, so I know how to fight because as a kid, I was in a fight club. <laughs> like, it's just like as an aside. <laughs> <laughs> she does that kind of randomly throughout this book. She'll just be like, when I did this thing and you're like, what? And she mentions it, and so you're, like, very confused, but then she kind of explains it, but also, like, not nearly enough that you're satisfied. Yes. That's a great explanation. Yeah, so Robbie and Leah, like, would break up all the time. Robbie was the first guy that ever made Leah, like, really feel loved. Um, There is a moment where Leah, so she was on the cheerleading team, varsity cheerleading team her freshman year, and then during tryouts her junior or sophomore year like a lot of really good freshmen had tried out so she got put on the jv team as made the captain of it and her mom was at the tryout and started screaming at the coach that she had it out for leah um which i can relate to me playing soccer your dad, dad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you know <laughs> you know it's funny because i also had a yelling dad but he never cared about that type of stuff um, actually my dad probably came to like, mm, if I had, let's say I had like 200 sports games throughout my childhood, right? Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad probably came to 11 of them. <laughs> he just like didn't come. <laughs> I don't know why, like looking back, I'm like, my dad came to every single that one is, of my soccer games. It's just, I think screamed at me felt at good about them. I think your dad just liked to be an asshole at the soccer games because, like, mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to be involved in this, not because he was like, I'm really going to support my daughter that I love. Oh, no, no, it was not. <laughs> that was not why he went. I think that he, well, because so, like, we're English, so my dad, my parents still have their accents. So whenever we go to soccer, you know, people want to talk to him about it, as if he ever played soccer. But he called it football with his yeah. daughter playing football. <laughs> yeah. I remember him being pissed in the fall that, like, all my soccer games were on Sundays because uh, football is on Sunday, like American football is on Sunday. So he was like not thrilled about that. I don't know how my mom dragged his ass to all of these. I wasn't a traveling soccer team. I don't know how that happened. But, you know, he would come and like scream at me to 
to, I was playing defense and he was like, score a goal. And I was like, I'm defending the other side, dad. And then like the whole car, right? Stay on the pitch, Jess. Yeah. (laughs) The whole time would be like screaming at me that I didn't get involved in that. To get involved. And like, yeah. It's so awful. You know, it's not great. My, yeah, my dad just, like, didn't come. My dad would be, like, at the shore every weekend when I had games. I think I would have preferred. I don't think I really wanted him to go. I don't think I ever was once, like, I didn't want dad. Yeah, I don't think I was. Soccer games. Ever I don't think I given a shit. I don't think I was ever that upset. And they didn't definitely didn't come to a lot of my games Um, when I was, like, in middle school, in ninth grade, because my school was, like, 30 minutes away from where we lived. And they'd be at, like, 5 o'clock. And they just, like, physically couldn't be there. You know, like – they had mm-hmm. jobs, um, mm-hmm. which is my mom's thing. She's like, I have to work. I have to work. <laughs> I'm like saying it not that loud because I don't want her to hear me. Because <laughs> I know it upsets her. <laughs> it does. It does. But it's whatever. Like the idea of having a child and having to sit at all of those games is like a true nightmare. <laughs> it's not something I'm looking forward to. So uh, Leah, yeah. So Leah's mom like flips out. Leah was so embarrassed um, because cheer was like the one thing that she had ever done that she really felt good at. Although she does say that when she went back to high school, she had like kind of found her voice and started doing really well in school and was taking honors classes, um, which is how yeah. she was able to end up graduating on time because she had taken, she's like, because I took honors classes, I had more credits. And I was like, that's not how it worked in my school, but maybe it's how it worked in her school. I don't know. I know in my high school, you got like, if you got an A in a regular class, it was a four for your GPA. Same. But if it, it was a five. It was a five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I do. It wasn't I do, credits. It was no, just it wasn't like. Credits. It was your, G- I, your weighted GPA. Yeah. yeah. But I do think, like, there's something to be said for, like, Leah was in all these different schools in middle school. And she, like, never understood. She said that she was always so lost. And she, because she moved around so much. And she never knew what was going on. And she just stayed quiet and failed everything. And then mm-hmm. when she was in high school, she was like, well, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And she yeah. said, I mean, you know, maybe she she's said, an unreliable narrator, but she says she asked for extra help. She would stay after she class. Decided, yeah, she would stay after class. She would ask the teachers. She would get all the help she could and then do better. And, like, I can see that being true from what I, we've seen on TV. I can agree because I think Leah in her heart is a person that truly wants to do better than she is. I think that she sees where she came from and doesn't want that. Yeah. And I also just think that she's the type of person that like, she just wants to be like, I think that Leah does have an understanding of who she is and like is genuinely striving to get better, which is why she joins these MLMs. And it's why she joins this cult thing that I don't know if she's still Mm -hmm. part of, but maybe is she hasn't mentioned it in a while. It seems like I haven't checked in though either really. Um, So I think that, she wants to get better but she doesn't really know how and so she like latches on which is why she's like such a target for mlms i think yeah um because she wants to do better but isn't quite sure how to do better so these women come in and kind of like promise her the world and she's like yeah i could do that but she it's not the solution and i i bet the cult that she's part of like really i can't remember what the name of it is like really taps into that this idea Mm -hmm. of like I can be better by doing X, Y, and Z. Um, so I can see that to be true of her in high school. Like, I believe that. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I don't okay, think so that's a lie. At one point, Leah and Robbie break up. And Leah's mom is, like, totally out of control. She had 
gotten really into the internet at this point and made a bunch of internet friends, which I laughed because I knew you were coming on to talk about this with me. And I was like, same Dawn. <laughs> Takes one to know one. You want to join our group chat, Dawn? Psychic be part of Discord. That group chat is sacred. Nobody else can join it. Um, imagine if somebody asked, I'd be like, no. <laughs> Sorry. No. No, thank you. We can start a different one that you're involved in. But like, you can't join the original. No. No, no, never. VIP only. Never, ever, ever. But um, so Dawn, Leah was like really in, Dawn had like met this guy on there and was like, online seeing him and leah knew all while about being this. married to lee yes while being married to lee and so at this point lee was working nights he'd become a nurse and dawn was just like totally out of control and there were absolutely no boundaries between lee and dawn and dawn had gotten a lot less strict um where she had been really strict when they were kids and she had a bunch she had victoria and leah invite a bunch of people over and kind of force them all to play spin the bottle. I talked about this on the podcast because this came out a while ago. Um, yeah, yeah. But she forced them all to play spin the bottle. And this guy, Mike, it had landed on Leah. And Dawn kind of just like forced Leah and Mike into a bedroom. And Leah and Mike have sex. And Leah's pretty clear that this is not, like, she's not calling it assault she's not calling it rape she like says like i knew what i was doing and i agreed to do it the craziness of it is that she's like pushed into the situation by her mom yeah and like mike also didn't seem that comfortable with it i also kind of wonder like i think it speaks a lot because i think in that case so at 15 i wasn't having sex yet but if Mm -hmm. i'd been in that scenario i think what we would have done was make out And, like, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, he would feel me up and, like, maybe I'd jerk him off or something. But I Mm -hmm. can't imagine, like, going right to sex in that situation. Yeah, Um, also, like, if your mom is, like, you should have sex, just fucking lie, you know? Yeah. How's she gonna know? Yeah, I think it says a lot about, like, these kids' lives and how many people they were having sex with. Like, this was the third guy Leah had sex with and she's 15, which is what I, like, I don't... That sounds like a little shamey when I say it that way, but I don't mean it that way. I mean that like, and Leah herself is saying this, like she didn't want to be having sex with these guys, really. Like she just Mm -hmm. was having sex with them. Robbie, she wanted to have sex with. And she says her and Mm -hmm. Robbie actually waited like almost a year before they had, or she said they waited till the end of the school year, but I wasn't quite sure when they met. Um, But they had waited. She had waited. He was in eighth grade and she was in ninth grade. Okay, so they, but they had waited like six months or something before they had sex. Mm-hmm. And when they had sex, it's because she wanted to have sex with him. Um, but with Josh yeah. and then with Mike, it's like kind of, it's very sad to me to think of a child being in a situation where they're like, well, I guess we'll just have sex because like my mom is out there and wants me to. And like they're both like, well, I guess we'll just do this. Yeah, I do though think that um, once you've already had sex, yeah it's not like it's de- it's not like Absolutely. she was 15 having sex for the first time with some random ass guy like she'd already been fucking people so like for her it probably wasn't as big of a deal as which like, is why you it's and sad. i thinking yeah which it is because, very sad because but she I, was but I don't think she yeah. ever thought of it as being like you know assault or anything well so she did for her she, she was said... like eh. Whatever. she said she didn't think of it as weird until she like told yeah. the story in rehab and her therapist was like Lit. <laughs> her poor therapist 
Uh, so that happens and then eventually she tells Robbie and her and Robbie like break up for good and this is when she meets Corey. Mm-hmm. So she's working at McDonald's and she meets Corey and almost right away they're dating. Like she talks about how they met. I don't think it's like that interesting or significant. But like right away they're, they're like mudding. Yeah, they you know go mudding. Remind me of that? It reminded me of that show, Buck Wild. Ugh, I like Buckwild. R.I.P. Shane, who died mudding. Mudding, yes. Because his exhaust got stuck in the mud. And yeah, like and carbon, carbon monoxide also, poisoning. Carbon I would monoxide? like to give an endorsement to the show Sledneck's, which yes, was the last Sledneck's version of Buckwild. So it was so good. <laughs> loved I remember Sledneck's. watching that and I loved it. And it would show the temperature and it would be like girls would be wearing like mini skirts and tank tops. And Sled next like, was actually is- better than Buckwild yeah. because the landscape of it was so cool. And the shit they did was so much cooler than what they did on Buckwild. It was so much cooler. Oh, that that needed, was so good. That needs a second season. I think it had season. a, I think it had I think you're two, right. I think it but had they a were season. short. I think there were two short It was like seasons. eight episodes. Yeah. Probably filmed it once. Yeah. One A, one B. Yeah, um, oh, I loved Sled Next. Maybe I can, maybe it's on the MTV website and I can rewatch it. Um, <laughs> remember that guy who built like the boat out of the the sofa? Oh, it's been a long time. <laughs> well, one guy like built a sofa boat. He like put an engine on a sofa. <laughs> it was so crazy. Why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because they're <laughs> Sled Next, baby. <laughs> I just remember the girls would be wearing no clothes and yeah. on the car on. It would be like, it's negative 20 degrees on. And they're like flip-flops. Also, Alaska is for... so pretty. It's so beautiful. It is. It's much better scenery than West Virginia. Than Wild. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Leah and Corey meet and they get pregnant on Leah's junior prom night, which Corey actually didn't go to. Um yes. But they meet up afterwards, and she gets pregnant. She was on the depot shot, but she was pushing. She said she, like, kind of had pushed it as far as she could. And she had mm-hmm. always done that with Robbie, and it was okay. But this time, it was not. And then, as we know, she gets pregnant. Um, what do we want to talk about with Corey? So, part of – one thing that I found stunning was that when Leah first left Corey – Dawn basically made Leah file a restraining order against Corey, yes. even yeah. though he had never hit her because um, Dawn thought that would be like a way for her to secure custody. Yeah, I actually, no, that I think I did dog ear that page, but I'm looking at it. It's like one. towards the back, like she kind of like glosses over it, but like I think maybe even one talking to Jeremy about Jeremy, she mentions it. But yeah, that was shocking to me. Um, she talks, the timeline feels weird on, like, when she talks about Allie's medical condition because she definitely kind of makes it seem like her and Corey were together for longer than they were in regards mm-hmm. to, like, dying, getting Allie's diagnosis and stuff like that because Lee will be, like, getting her diagnosis really teared us apart. And I'm like, but they didn't get the diagnosis until after Jeremy and Lee were, or Corey and Lee were already broken up, I'm pretty sure. Like, we watched this on TV. Yeah. We watched um, this unfold. So Leah talks a little bit about how, you know, they did the 16 pregnant episode. They thought it would go nowhere. Then they do the teen mom. And she said the worst part was like the attention they would get from people in their town. Mm-hmm. Um, she got a ton of attention from people in her town. And she mentioned, so she brings up cheating on Corey. And according to her, she just like wasn't 
she only, according to her, she cheated one single time with Robbie a week before the wedding, which I don't believe. It was her bachelorette party, right? I don't believe that to be true either. I think that's the one time that people knew about. That's the one time she has to talk about. Warren, we knew about more times than that, even on the show. But maybe Um, I just. I don't know about that. I I remember, like, when she talks about in the book about how they had already talked about it and moved past it. And then they, like, filmed that scene and then they made it. I mean, she Hold said on, let me clarify this. Let me clarify this because Leah claims that she, about six months into the marriage, she felt so guilty that she came clean to Corey. And Corey basically admitted that he had been flirting with other girls um, that would, like, you know, like DM him mm-hmm. or, like, whatever the version, whatever we called DMing back in, like, 2008 or 2009. Um, <laughs> these girls would message him and he would flirt with them. So, according to her, they have this, like, tear field tear-filled night in the book we're definitely supposed to like understand that what Corey was doing was just as bad as what she did um in that irl i disagree yeah i disagree too and i'm also not sure that Corey would i'm i would be curious as to how Corey explains this <laughs> you know like so according to leah they had like moved on or so she thought and then she gets a call from production that's like we need to talk, Corey told us, and we need to talk about this on camera. And Leah was totally blindsided. She had no idea. And then she's like the house versus the truck thing comes up. And she thought that they were on the same page. And like, just the way she explains it is honestly as confusing as it is on the show where you're, they just go from zero to a thousand suddenly. Yeah. And so what I didn't really understand in the show which I did not get any clarity from the book was that how she's like well we're gonna get a divorce but I'm gonna file first so that I get custody but like it seems like they if if Leah hadn't have filed for divorce would they be divorced today um maybe or would they have gotten divorced when they did because I feel like she jumped the gun I agree. For no reason at all. And then she was like, well, I already filed, so I can't possibly work it out with him. I told, yeah. I, I mean, that's what happened, is that she filed and then was stubborn about it. Um, but she, like, doesn't acknowledge that in the book that she, did she acknowledge in the book that she filed first? I don't think she did. No, she didn't. Um, but I remember being in the show, how she was like, well, my lawyer said if I went full custody, I'm like, first of all, you're the mom, you're going to get primary physical Yeah. in West Virginia. You're going to get primary physical. You might even get so legal. So I yeah. don't know what the fact your lawyer was telling you, but you didn't need to, like, no. be the first one. Um, there's also talk about Allie, which, you know, it's, like, kind of what she says on the show. Um, I w- one well, interesting thing actually, she said. I, w- I think it's very interesting that she says early on, like, right when I just had the book open to it. Okay. So when when they were born, mm-hmm. um, first of all, I think it's wild that they like thought that she could like have a a vaginal delivery of these twins. But there's a lot of wild things going on with her deliveries. But anyway, so she like first the when Allie comes out, her yeah. arms and legs were stuck up, which mm-hmm. we didn't hear about that. In no, and Corey the show. apparently kept asking over and over again what's wrong with her legs, and they were telling them like, "Oh, it's nothing. It's no big it's deal." The position like, in the womb. Yeah, but like it's from what she wrote, it seems like very early on it was it was clear that something wasn't right, and I'm just so surprised that 
I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's a difference of, you know, like where we live, like mm-hmm. the hospital my son was born at is the best hospital in New Jersey and they are on top of everything. And so I'm guessing that, that, you know, his birth was $60,000. And so like, I don't know what kind of healthcare they're getting where she had her children, but like, I don't, I just can't imagine that happening here and doctors and nurses not being like, uh oh, we need to do something about this. And them just being like, oh, it's okay. And I also can't believe that in her prenatal scans, it wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. It just no, seems it like it's, it's so shocking to me. I, yeah, that nothing was seen. And when you're, you know, when you have twins, you're high risk, you're getting extra yeah. ultrasounds, you're getting, you're getting measured to make sure that they're big enough for delivery and, especially since she had preterm labor and was on bed rest, like you mm-hmm. would think that she would be getting weekly scans to make sure that like, okay, well, if they're born at 32 weeks, they'll each weigh two pounds. Yeah. And it, like that's the kind of, I had high blood pressure and they were doing scans for me when I was like six weeks out just to make sure like if anything happened, you know, he would be the right size. Yeah. So I just don't understand how they didn't, this just wasn't picked up. No, and she couldn't get any doctors to even acknowledge that, like, anything was wrong. Yeah. For a long time. And one thing that I thought was really poignant and sad is that she says she couldn't enjoy Gracie's uh, yes. like, babyhood at Milestones all. Milestones because, because she was comparing yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Really she was like, every time, you know, Aaliyah would do something, I would just be upset that Allie wasn't. Yeah, and I totally, um, I totally understand that. Yeah. And that's sad. It is sad. And she definitely, you know, I like, I don't know. I think that Leah isn't able to like fully verbalize like how upsetting Allie's childhood is to her. Cause I think, um, she isn't, I've said this a lot. Like, I think Leah would really benefit from educating herself a lot more on disabilities and people that have disabilities. And you know what I like, I just think like the only experience Leah seems to have in this world uh, with a person with a disability is her daughter. And she doesn't know anyone else in real life who is disabled. Which is an issue for me. Like, I think that if Leah made a lot more effort to be involved in a community, um, Mm -hmm. I think she'd be able to articulate like conversations with Allie a lot better and like tell us about this a lot better. Um, but I definitely, like, like, she she mentions her and Corey not being on the same page and Corey not really being supportive of it before and, like, mm-hmm. during it and that it was really hard for her. And I definitely remember that on the show and agree with her about it. But I still think it's, there's a lot of stuff that, Leah, you know, like, they're on vacation in Florida right now and, like, Allie's wheelchair seems nowhere in sight. Like, so... It's such a big difference to me because I just watched the last episode of OG this week and like Cheyenne goes to talk about yes. children with rare diseases and like Cheyenne is like balls deep in That's this. exactly what I mean. Exactly. Yeah, and like that would really benefit Leah both like for advocacy for other children with rare diseases. Like why isn't Leah, it's, it was just like rare diseases, right? It wasn't like specifically metabolic diseases or specifically but there are definitely muscular dystrophy communities and groups and maybe not in their specific town but leah also has the means to travel she can go to dc just like cheyenne did so like she could go and do something like that and then like well 
be an advocate and then bring awareness. I think it also is men- like worth mentioning that Cheyenne fits Cheyenne's into a socioeconomic standard that's yeah. much more similar to you and me. She has a college that's degree. True. Her parents are college educated from what I can tell. Like her, you know what I mean? Like they, her parents are professionals, like they're business yeah. professionals. Um, yeah. They seem quite wealthy. I believe yeah. that house that Cheyenne lives in is owned by her parents. With her sister, my, yeah. Is my understanding and that her parents own like multiple properties and they're always on these like beautiful family, like family, like. They're Thailand for family vacation. Yeah, like their entire family. But MTV in Thailand. does not dumb, Yeah, no, 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 no. They'll be like in Jamaica and then three months later they're in Thailand and this is not yeah. an MTV vacation. This is strictly their family vacation. And the whole family went to DC for the rare disease day. And the whole family is involved. And I think once again, it just goes to show like Cheyenne grew up upper middle class, it seems like. And Cheyenne is from a family of educated professionals and Cheyenne is educated. And I think, but I, I also like, I, so I think that is a big part of it. But at the same time, I think Leah wants to do that. I think that she does. I don't know. I do too. I think she wants to do that, but she doesn't have like the maybe the full motivation or the people pushing her to do it. I'm surprised. I wonder if groups contact her. You think they would? Yeah, I would think they would. Or why wouldn't MTV be like, hey, Cheyenne is doing this. You could do this too. They should do a crossover episode. They should. Where both of them are in DC for rare disease days. Yeah. Like you would think that muscular dystrophy, I wonder if muscular dystrophy advocacy groups like reach out to Leah considering not only does her daughter have MD, but is the only child with her strain of MD, which would make them, you know, and they're on TV, which you would think would, should be sought off, sought after in like the advocacy Yeah, and like, you know, Leah's, Leah's image on MTV like is fine. Yeah. You know, it she's I not, mean, it's she's, yeah. it's not like it's she not, rebounded it's not quite great. well. She yeah, rebounded great, quite but well. It's, it's not. It could be so much worse. You know what? You know, Even at Leah's worst, it wasn't Janelle or Amber. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, she exactly. always had a lot and of sympathy. Yes, and she doesn't. You know, she's not say mean. A lot of problematic thing. things. Yeah, she's not mean. She she tries her best. All of her fighting and Leah's like drama is very contained to yes. just men. Really, like it's yes. not. She's not, all of her drama is so isolated, I guess, in a way that makes her, like, I think even at her worst, like, means that she never got that bad of a reputation. Yeah, and she's always, she's got a favorable, even her worst edit was, like, fine compared to Janelle. Yeah, so Leah and Corey break up for reasons that are a little confusing to me (laughs) still to this day. (laughs) She meets Jeremy. She admits that she, like, didn't even really like Jeremy. He was always just a rebound. She wanted to get back with Corey, but then she got pregnant. Um, She told Corey she was pregnant, and he just sobbed about it. And then, so Leah had been in touch with, had gotten, like, representation. She'd gotten a manager. Um, And the weird thing is, is that we're clearly... (laughs) This is when the book is really falling apart. Because as I said, Addie is born 80% into this book. (laughs) So this is when like the book to me at least was like really good and detailed. And then post Corey's or like Corey's when it starts to fall apart. And then by the time Jeremy's in the picture, I'm like, what? Like, 
where, like, where's this detail from earlier in the book? But so she had gone to LA and basically all of the teen mom, two girls had met this woman and, oh, mm-hmm. she told the story. I forgot to tell this. So after she had left Corey, she got her own place, like with her team mom, two money. She wasn't sure how long the show was going to go on. She bought a car and she bought like a trailer because this was like, she just wanted to have these like paid off things. And she had like no furniture and this paparazzi guy. Cause at this point, I photographers are following her around her hometown. And this guy finally like approaches her and is like, if I can take your picture and Target picking up a pregnancy test, I'll pay for you to buy anything you want at Target. And this is when she was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like they're taking my picture anyway. So she mm-hmm. goes to Target and she was like, anything? And the guy's like, anything. She just moved into an apartment. And she had no furniture. She spent $5,000 at Target. Her and her mom filled up three carts worth of stuff. She spent $5,000. They got a picture of her holding a pregnancy test. And she wasn't, you know, she didn't, like, there was no talk of pregnancy in her life. Like, this guy just no. wanted this picture. And he, Leah said he swiped that card without even blinking twice. She got, she had to have her brother and her cousins come because she couldn't fit all the shit in her car. They needed mm-hmm. multiple cars for how much stuff she got. She fr- furnished her entire house. She got a bedroom she, set. Yeah, she did say, She got though, kitchen appliances. She, she got did, a flat screen TV. Yeah, she did say, though, that, um... She was like, I made $5,000, but that guy probably made five times that. Yeah. But you um, know what? Good for Leah. Yeah. Honestly, good for Leah. This was I would do the time, same thing. This was the first time that she like felt a little bit control over her image and over what was being posted about her. She also mentions at one point that they were barely making any money from MTV in the second season. MTV was made, they were getting almost 4 million views an episode, making almost no money, which is disgusting. You guys know I've always advocated for the teen momers to be paid like way more than they are. And I fucking hate when people are like, all the they girls should be poor. Like they were really yeah. like, in their second season. Cause we know this cause Brie got this right. Like $20,000 mm-hmm. for their second season and mtv and they were pulling in four million views an episode that's insane that's such yeah. high ratings for a cable show that's insane it's so, i mean for comparison they get like nine hundred thousand ratings now if that tells you anything yeah so mtv was making so much money off of them they were making nothing she gets this manager who she's like i thought i trusted her i thought we were friends but then she never tells us anything this manager did wrong like <laughs> like this is what I'm saying by the book falling apart like she there are like three different instances where she's like and I thought I could trust her but like doesn't actually tell us anything about this woman betraying her trust um but I guess she did at some point they just like didn't include that in this book but Mm -hmm. she says this manager was get it like helping them sell stories and she was making money off of selling stories and she liked it because she felt like she had some control and if she was going to be in the press anyway she might as well get paid to be in the press which Fair enough. Yeah. Brie uh, DeJesus posted something so funny today. She was like, man, fuck those stories on my page. I don't post them. I don't care about them. I'm just collecting my money so I can buy another house. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. <laughs> you know what I loved? I loved the um, Butch isn't Tyler's real dad. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, Tyler posted this uh, Father's Day post to Kim, his mother. And then the next day, basically being like, you were the father you were my father too. It was a really sweet post. And then the next day, Kate posted a clickbait that was like, Butch is not Tyler's father. Heartbreak emoji. 
love that shit. It's so, I think some that of they do it on purpose. Some of it's they literally disgusting. Like some of it is really disgusting, but we're giving the part, them away. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it's just funny to me. Um, and I, I feel like if I was on the show, I'd probably do it too. Five Listen, cents. I think it's gross five when cents it's about adds somebody up. else, but I think that it's funny when it's about yourself. Yeah. Five like, I hated it when they were like, somebody died, and it's like the yeah. uh, the one who died a few years ago. But then Vanessa, when it's about them. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's about them, and they're like, Butch isn't my dad. I'm like, get, get it. Get that money. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, okay. So, yeah. So Leah had met this manager, and Leah and Jeremy get pregnant, and Leah and Jeremy are not getting along. She has already told everybody that she's pregnant, of course. And why wouldn't you? Right why when wouldn't. you get the positive pregnancy test. <laughs> why wouldn't you? And so Leah's manager or agent, whoever, whatever capacity she was, because then later she mentions another manager, which she who she still has today, as far as I know. It's the lady she did the podcast with. Uh, remember when Leah had a podcast for a minute? Oh, yeah. Everybody I listened to the podcast. episode where she talks about her addiction Me too. story. And, um, um, it and was she said, pretty hard to listen to. She said some of the bullshit that she says in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, this manager had kind of been like, "You don't honestly had given her good advice." She was like, "You should get an abortion. The last thing you need right now is another kid. Like you and Jeremy are not stable. Like you have a one sick daughter. Basically, being like, don't get pregnant, you dumb dumb. Like." <laughs> Also was concerned about Leah's image because Leah was just coming off this divorce where she cheated on Corey, Mm -hmm. which like, fair enough. If this is your client that you're trying to make max amount of money for based on her public image. So Leah, um, is like, has this idea planned in her head and then her and Jeremy get into a big fight and Jeremy says something about like, you should just get rid of the baby. And so Leah does, but Leah's manager and her mom convince her that nobody can know she got an abortion. And I actually, okay. As I talked about on this podcast, do I think it was wrong for Leah to lie to us as the audience? Not particularly. Do I think it's kind of shitty to co-opt the pain of miscarriage? Yes, I do. Because that's like, I think it's shitty to take, to lie about a very traumatic experience. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you aren't actually experiencing that, I think it's, pretty shitty I think if she had just gotten an abortion and like didn't tell anybody like then I you know what I mean like I don't I don't care if somebody lies about getting a doesn't tell us about having an abortion I do think there it's very case by cases when you tell your spouse or whatever but like the idea of like be, doing it on tv when that is a real pain that millions of women have endured I think that's pretty shitty like I, it just is. Yeah. I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world you can do. I just think it's pretty shitty. And I do think lying to your partner about it in this case, I think there are some cases like There's abusive situations. Fine. I mean, this is a topic on am I the asshole? Like kind of regularly and almost always I'm like, you should, my ex- opinion is like, they should lie to the husband about it because it's like for their protection. Yeah. But in Jeremy's case, like partially the only reason they really got married was because of this miscarriage and I think Mm it it was unfair to Jeremy that he like started off this marriage on a lie like that but the reason she says and I can agree I can understand what she's saying here I probably agree with her she said that so she should have told Jeremy but the reason that they lied about it one is because she stupidly told MTV like as soon as she got a positive pregnancy test and two like 
Leah's mom, Dawn, was so terrified of Leah being so fiercely judged by everybody in their very conservative town because she was already pretty hated for being on this mm-hmm. show. And that her mom was terrified about like what would happen if she would, went on pub, like TV saying she had an abortion, which I don't think is a raw, like an, an unguided or a misjudged fear. Do you think MTV would have ran with that storyline? Yeah. In, in whatever year that was, because they did not air the 16 and pregnant one where she had an abortion. Right? Or they aired um, no, they it did. once? No, they, they aired, aired it again. once. They aired it once. But then they put Brie on Team Mom 3 and Brittany had the abortion, remember? Um, yeah, that's true. But she didn't have the abortion on camera. On camera. Yeah, I think by this point, Team Mom 2 was such a juggernaut. Like, this is like height of Team Mom 2. You know what I Like, this is like height of Janelle and Kiefer fighting. Like, this is height of their ratings. Oh, was yeah. Janelle's, had a Janelle's abortion been on MTV yet? No, that was still like a year. Actually, not that long because Jira, she doesn't mention it in the book, but MTV wasn't shortly after this. She gets pregnant with Addie. This is actually the end. And they of, went on hiatus. Wait, they, this remember she has a miscarriage. They go on hiatus, and she they come back, and she's had Addie. And like Addie is Addie's like a year old. Yes. So <laughs> and she's not like I said, she's not even pregnant when they went on hiatus. So actually, no. Janelle had not had her abortion yet. That happens like in the 18 months where they're off air. But I do think that they would have absolutely played it because I think um, at this point, the ratings were so good and the drama was so high on this show uh, that Leah, like getting an abortion shortly after she and her husband, I think that they would have absolutely played it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not positive if they would have. I think for them, even though they were doing so well in the ratings, it still might've been too much of a risk. Yeah, and I guess for their the, advertisers, maybe I would say for the the storyline of Leah, like they may have wanted to protect. They may not have aired it because they didn't want that to be Leah's. Like they didn't want like Leah her to look, be judged. right? Because yeah. she's the mother of a special needs child. And yeah, we like Leah. She's our little broken bird. Yeah. We need to root for. So we're just not going to include this at all because because that will make Leah look bad and we're not that interested in making her look bad. I'm actually shocked that Leah told that story in this book. I'm She could have shocked. taken that to her grave and no one would ever That could have X right out of that manuscript. Like, mm, let's take this out. Because the childhood stuff is like all stuff that happened to her. Yeah. <laughs> this it is wasn't like a her choice fault. It wasn't made. her choice, exactly. Yeah. Like, not saying that the abortion is her fault, but like, you know, nothing that happened to her in her childhood was necessarily her fault, but um her choosing to have an abortion is her choice and it's a controversial choice for many people mm-hmm. so I'm surprised especially where she lives yeah and I'm surprised that um that she that she said it. I mean it's great that she said it because it helps normalize and like I agree you know, whatever it's not a big deal and it's it's, it's the truth it's what she did and it is the truth but I'm just like I think that was actually very brave of her yeah I agree. I I agree. I think that, I also think that, um, okay. I think she knew she was going to have to share some wild shit if she didn't want to talk that heavily about drugs. That's true. You're right. Because, you know, people are tuning into this book because they're like, you're a drug yeah, addict and we want to hear yeah, about it. You're a drug addict and we want to hear about those beats. And then she's like, well, I won't give you that. However, 
Yeah. How about a big surprise? I think that's a really classic form of manipulation. I'm not saying Leah's actively manipulating, but I do think that's like a real thing where you like, you don't want to share so much about something else. So you like give another huge bomb. Yeah. And how much better would this book have been though if we had both? Yeah. I mean, way better. Way, way, way better. It would have been possibly 184 pages. <laughs> so next thing that happens is Leah gets pregnant with Addie. Her and Jeremy are like not that happy. She gives birth to Addie and she has the botched uh like spine spinal tap what it's is a, it yeah it's not an epidural when you have a plan c-section yeah it's like a spinal block and it's well, different she wasn't even having a plan c-section she went in and they were making her wait that's and wait another and wait. thing that's wild to me so like she had a c-section with the twins mm-hmm. so um i had a c-section and uh there's no way in hell i'm gonna try a vaginal delivery again so but i don't think i don't Leo know why even... her doctors weren't like we're not doing this so because it's definitely it's risky. yeah it's definitely like a like vaginal birth after c-section is a very real thing but leah doesn't say that she was thing. trying to do that like there but was also, no like, like you have the, i'm pretty sure that you have the choice oh yeah for sure but i don't think like i didn't get the impression that leah was like was, i like, wanted went into labor yeah well that's what happened her water broke really early she was like 35 weeks or something she was super early and she went in and actually they had to walk down their long driveway because it had snowed so bad and she fell on the walk down i was like jesus christ um but leah knowing they made her wait and wait and wait and wait and suddenly she really had to poop and so like they get the nurse and the nurse said the baby's foot was dangling out of her once again it's It's like what did they know at 35 weeks if your baby was yes they wouldn't know if your baby is breached so when i had mason i mean when i was at the hospital they i had an ultrasound when i was admitted to make sure that he was still like head down Mm -hmm. because if he wasn't head down that was it like we're not we're not trying that don't they figure out like they can Are they checking that so that, like, you know, like, because if your baby is breached, your stuff you can do at home that, like, can help flip the baby. Yeah, but I don't really know how much that works. Um, and also, like, if you're having a, if, see, she, she has a, bi, like, a bicarnate uterus. Yeah, her, so her, I would her think uterus that is heart-shaped. heart-shaped. So I would think that she would be high risk and she would have more scans. But, like, if you're, if you're, like, totally healthy, you don't have an ultrasound after yeah. the uh, gender, like, 20 weeks or whatever. Like, you don't have that, the mm-hmm. anatomy scan. You don't have one. So, like, your um, doctor or midwife can, like, kind of feel your belly and, like, maybe figure it out. But, like, maybe not. And so that's why when when we go to the hospital, they just go, like, really quick, like, make sure that head is down because if it's not – it's extremely risky and yeah. um OBs get sued out the ass because it is literally life or death yeah. and they're not going to take any extra risk so Leah's the baby's foot is hanging out of her vagina and mm-hmm. she's taken into a room to get the spinal tap and she said the guy try misses and tries a dozen times I don't know if that's true I uh, so with my epidural he missed the first time but he got it the second time so I can I can, um, I can understand maybe missing once or twice, but like a dozen times sounds like an, either an exaggeration or like what the fuck kind of hospital in West Virginia. To me, 
so our friend Mandy mentioned like who works in hospitals and had worked it with midwives was like, I don't think that would ever happen. Um, I don't think it would either. I think what probably happened was she was a baby was dangling her the baby's foot was dangling out of her vagina and she was like so out of it and maybe has like a little bit of misremembering and but according to leah like i believe the result is what happened but i do you know oh, what yeah. i mean like, I believe, yeah exactly i believe that she you know he fucked it up and as a result she had these final fluid leaks. headaches yeah yeah i believe that but i don't believe that he poked her in the spinal column 24 times yeah. Because he's not the only one in the room. You know, like, you're not alone in the room with the anesthesiologist. There's yeah. nurses. There's, like, people watching. Well, once again, like, you're never alone. And, like, the risk of being sued is so, so high, especially for anesthesiologists. Oh, they're the most sued. So it just feels, I don't know. I don't know. But Leah basically has a botched spinal tap and it ends up giving her these terrible, terrible, terrible migraine headaches, like debilitating headaches. And Leah says this is when she sent home from the hospital with all these opioids. And according to her, she like, and refills. And then according to her, she's just magically like addicted to these pills, but never, ever buys the pills. Never. 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 Her dad got back in touch with them and her dad moved back into their house in West Virginia. She says she gave her dad Mm $40,000. According to her, at one point, she decides she wants to get off the drugs. So she goes to her mom. Her mom was like, just come to the house and detox with me and Lee. And so she's detoxing and then she goes back to her house and her dad gives her a pill. And she's so upset. She like thinks like she starts speeding up her car like she's going to kill herself and then pulls over to the side of the road and decides to get help. Um, So according to her, that's the only non-prescription pill she ever took in her life. And I don't believe I don't believe that for a fucking second. Not a word. Oh, oh. So she, um, (laughs) she cheated. She mentions that she cheated on, uh, Robbie with, or Jeremy with Robbie one time, which we know to not be factual because she was seen all over town with him and she was on the deer cam with Robbie. Mm-hmm. He was coming to the house repeatedly, according to Jeremy's dad. I don't believe for a second that she cheated on Jeremy once. At one point in this book, she was like, <laughs> she's like, and Jeremy had tricked me into telling him that I had hooked up with Corey <laughs> shortly after he married Miranda. And I was like, what? <laughs> like she mentions that out of the blue, um, which we knew it happened, but the way that she says it, like about Jeremy finding out is very weird and says, said it as an aside. Um, we're basically supposed to believe that Jeremy, that their relationship falls apart because he works far away and that her drug addiction, like has nothing to do with it falling apart. Um, her cheating has nothing to do with it falling apart. And like I said, according to Leah, like she only ever took the pills the doctor gave her ever she never did a single illegal drug. Well, she said that um, earlier in the book, she talks about how she, like, smoked pot once. Okay. And, like, didn't like it. Yeah, but Leah never got a pill anywhere else, which I call horseshit on. I also call horseshit on. And I swear to God, in that episode, you so you listened to that podcast episode, too. They said she was using with her dad. Yeah. They said that. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I mean, maybe the one she says, oh, my dad, I mean, like, my dad gave me that one pill. Maybe that's what she's talking about. I don't know. 
No, but on she, the podcast, they made it seem like her like and her dad were using her dad. Yes. But anyway, I just, I would like to go back for a second really quick about her, um, her birth with Ash. Okay. Um, she said that her doctor pulled her uterus out of her fucking body and showed it to her. <laughs> yeah, they took a picture of it. It's in the book. And then the caption is, my uterus is shaped like a heart. <laughs> but listen to this. It looks so crazy on Kindle, that picture. When she asked, it looks, it looks just as bad in print. Um, her doctor said, oh, my heart shaped, my uterus is shaped like a heart. When she asked me if I wanted to see my uterus, I was so loopy. I said, sure, why not? Then she pulled aside of a modesty screen and put it across your chest so they can't see cutting you open and lifted my uterus out of my body and held it up Oof. so I can see it. Oof. What the fuck? What? Listen, when I had my, so like I was looking at my hospital's weapon before I, I gave birth and one of the things they said is they had a transparent screen for like you could see, and I was very worried about that, and I remember asking the anesthesiologist, and he was like, oh, hell no, <laughs> we're having a large screen, like, are you, could you imagine seeing the inside of your body no, held no, out in front no. of you while you're still alive? No, 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 thank you, I don't like gross things famously, so no. <laughs> I don't, I don't like gross things either, and like, I, I can't I'm watch surgery surprised. shows. Nope, 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 uh, nope, I can do nope. that, but not my, like, nope. as, as you, as I was listening to your other podcast with Tomlin, how you mentioned how I like to imagine the human body is um, solid plastic, like a Barbie doll. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to think about the inside of my body. Nope. So, yeah, so Leah and Jeremy break up, and she decides to ask Larry from MTV for help. So she goes to treatment in Arizona and then her mom calls her and is like, you got to come home or <laughs> Corey's going to take the kids, which we saw on TV. Yeah. Um, well, kind of. Because on TV, didn't they make it seem like she never actually went? She was like in a hotel room and then she came back? Yes. Uh, but she had actually physically gone to Arizona. She came back, set it up with well, her lawyer. I assume that she was in a hotel in Arizona. Oh, yeah. I, th- I swore... I don't remember, honestly. I think that she had, like, flown on this, you know, wherever, I'm sure it was the same place Kate went to, um, wherever that was, I assume, like, she got there and was staying in, like, the airport hotel before they had to drive out to wherever it was. It was yeah. kind of, like, that's Possibly. what I understood from that scene. Yeah, I I haven't rewatched that in so long that... Me neither. I haven't rewatched it since it aired, probably. Yeah, I don't think, like, that episode, I don't think I have either. Um, So she... Comes back, sets it up with her lawyer, and then leaves. She still wouldn't court, tell Corey exactly where she was going. Like I said, she mentions that all the people that were supposed to be getting me help were either just like lying to protect me, which obviously meant her mom, or mm-hmm. like teaming up against me to make me look like a bad mother on TV. And it's like, you in 2020, you still believe that's what happened? Yeah. And you know what? She did a good enough job by herself. Like, making her look herself like a bad mom on tv like nobody slurred her words for her there's not a single acknowledgement of how shitty of a parent she was at this time no talk about how she let Addie get out of the house um and had to be brought home by the cops there's no you would think that her life like at this point the only thing wrong in her life was that she was getting really bad headaches that she couldn't really deal with i mean that's what we're told to believe like that but 
that's the only issue. She doesn't acknowledge how shitty of a mom she was. She doesn't acknowledge the spending. She doesn't acknowledge um, the fact that like the kids are having to get themselves up for school. The five-year-olds that Mm -hmm. Jeremy and Lee were having blowout fights in front of the twins. Like we saw all this shit on TV and she just doesn't acknowledge it at all. Mm -hmm. Not a single thing. So she goes to treatment and at treatment, she's told that she tells us, and she said this on the podcast too, which I want to break down. She says that there's a, like a drug treatment track and a trauma track. Okay. Here's the thing. My treatment center also had a trauma, a specific trauma track and then everybody else. But let me tell you, everybody there was still a drug addict because it was a drug rehab. <laughs> drug rehab and mental health rehabs are not together. There are also, there are dual diagnosis facilities for sure, but like to be, to get your insurance and I guess MTV paid for it, but like you have to be a drug addict to be like in the drug addict facility, which she was. And just because you're on the trauma track, I was on the trauma track when I went to treatment and guess what? I was there for drug addiction stuff. Um, Leah being like, well, I was on the trauma track, but then did you notice at the end, she says they wanted me to go to sober living, which wasn't an option. I had to go yeah. home to my girls. Why would they want you to go to sober living if you weren't, if you weren't a drug addict in the drug treatment program? Yeah. Like the, usually the trauma, the idea of the trauma tract in the drug treatment program is for the people that, I mean, now, Okay, so I think trauma tracks are kind of going away a little bit as more treat most treatment centers move to like a pure trauma based treatment. But mm-hmm. like the ideas, like the people that have really bad trauma and like PTSD and that type of stuff, are specifically in the trauma groups where everybody else that doesn't necessarily have all of those issues is not. So when Leah says I'm in the trauma track, she's like trying to like be like, so I was at drug uh, treatment, but I wasn't a drug addict. Um, I was just there for trauma and it's like, okay, but I guarantee you everybody else that was in that trauma track with her was there for drug treatment. (laughs) Yeah. And she also says like, oh, I, you know, I wasn't mentally dependent. I was physically dependent. Oh yeah. That's her favorite thing. (laughs) Which like, maybe she was okay. Like, what do I fucking know? Maybe she she doesn't like, maybe she doesn't like getting high. Maybe she doesn't like the feeling that she like got sick if she didn't. That like, maybe that's true. But, but it doesn't I, mean that she wasn't a drug addict. I also actually, I want to rephrase that because I actually think that that isn't a real thing. Like, I think it's like a kind of useless to distinguish. And like, I think in the case of Leah, it's kind of useless to distinguish. Like if you were like mentally addicted or just physically addicted, because I don't believe anything in her life looked like someone that just had a physical dependency. No, she was having like negative she was having extreme negative emotional like consequences yeah. and yeah, relationship having- consequences. And when I think of someone who's just physically dependent, so when I was in detox, I don't know if I've told the story before, there was a lady at my detox that was 88 years old, I believe, who had had a surgery and they put her on so much Dilaudid, she got addicted to it and had to come to the treatment center, like to detox off the Dilaudid. Um, Dilaudid's a very strong opiate. And like- I didn't know anything else about her medical history. It's possible she was like a lifelong alcoholic too. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. but my understanding was that like, she had purely like been giving too much Dilaudid by doctors because she was so old and they just like kept giving her these meds and she didn't want to be on them anymore. And the only way to do that was like come to detox. She literally did not leave her room. Like very rarely, like every once in a while I would talk to her. She was very nice. Her son, when he came to visit was allowed to like go into her room 
um, which was not the case for anybody else. Like I could see how an 88 year old woman got physically dependent on Dilaudids and not like not mentally addicted to them but Mm -hmm. like everything to me about leah's life like overdraft like overdrafting her bank account like letting her kids wander away like her life being a fucking mess to me looks like somebody that had like a real mental addiction to drug addiction to drugs yeah she just won i mean she had a tough life and she didn't want to feel it yeah how is that not a mental addiction she talks about that in the book she says she was trying to numb out that's a mental addiction another example of a physical addiction is somebody who maybe has like a chronic back pain and takes enough percocets every day to like make it so that they can function in this world but don't get high they would still have to like taper off because they would and like would still have like exactly but if you are doing your pills that are prescribed to you to get high which she was you are mentally addicted to drugs now maybe you don't need to be sober forever. Maybe you really can. Maybe it was just like a bad time in your life and you really can like fix the trauma and then go on to drink and do everything else. And it's totally fine. Like that is a real thing. And that is a thing that is happening for lots of people. But like this idea that like she was solely physically addicted to drugs is such horseshit because she admits that she was doing them because they made her feel good. Yeah. Mentally. Her life was, her life was too hard. Also, for years, she would only fucking admit that she was taking her anxiety medicines from the doctor. She wouldn't even admit to the opiates. I know. And so if that really was the case, wouldn't you think she would be like, I can't move because I have such bad headaches that I want to throw up if I blink? Yeah. Wouldn't you think that would be more sympathetic to the audience? Oh, she's just like, this is what drives me nuts. Like the idea that she simply was only taking the medicines that her doctor gave her. Only. Also, like, Okay, so maybe she was, but, like, Addie was, like, two when she went to treatment. So she was not still on refills from her, like, birth. I mean, maybe she was. We don't know what those doctors are like. But I was going to ask you, like, okay, so if she's getting Xanax and taking her from her, you know, doctor because she's got a lot of anxiety about Allie's health problems, if she takes that Xanax with her Dilaudid or whatever opiate she was getting, yeah, like, I think she's she got fuck her, her off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would fuck you up. You'd be fucked up, um, which is probably why she was so fucked up. But she definitely, like, there's no way she was, because that was almost two years later. She didn't get 24 months worth of refills on um, opioids. Even even back then, I guarantee you, she was getting them from a different doctor, which to me oh, signifies doctor shopping. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the way she yeah. writes into the book, she's like, I got sent home with Tylenol 3, which is like the weakest opiates you can get. Um, mm-hmm. I think she says Lord Tile now of Codeine. Yeah. Um Yeah, you can get the first one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not that uh, Percocets and one Lortab, I think she says. And then she's like with refills, which I think we're supposed to understand that like we're supposed to believe that like those are the drugs that she took and all of the pain all the pills that she was on was like as a result of the birth. But like like I said, Addie was older. Addie was not mm-hmm. an infant when she went to treatment, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So she got more scripts from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, the la- I thought this book would go into, like, here's when I started buying drugs. Like, here's yeah, I really when I was fucking Robbie, who was a heroin addict. That's another thing that she didn't mention. Like, because she barely mentions all the cheating that she did with Robbie. Like, Robbie had a serious dope addiction at that point. So, like, what she do? are her and Robbie doing drugs together? Like... There's no mention of anything like 
her addiction is two pages long. Then she goes to treatment and the strength of her girls gets her sober and she's been perfect ever since. Um, what do you think about her usage since? Because I think that she still takes a Xanax. Yes, you can tell when she can, when she does. Um, but you know, Leah doesn't really strike me as a drinker. She does. Um, she posts on social media, but I don't think she's, I think she's like a very social drink. Like, I don't think her drink Yeah, like is glass issue. of wine with her friends, you know, but not um, like a, so I think Leah gets like hammered. On earlier, the earlier in the season, I think that, or earlier in the season, earlier in this episode, if you'll remember, the times when Leah is like the worst was after she went to treatment. <laughs> Like she was, remember that season, this, the ravioli season. And when Allie was saying, I don't trust you guys, like Mm -hmm. that, all of that was post rehab. So I think my, I kind of maybe have a suspicion that it's possible that Leah has maybe on Suboxone and has been on Suboxone for many years. Um, some people say on Suboxone forever, Suboxone is an opioid blocker and she could be on a very low dosage of it. Um, if that's the case, I say that's great. And it's obvious that's about, it's called Suboxone Maintenance. And if that is the case, I would say that's really wonderful because it's clearly working for her. Um, right? Like, by all accounts, she's doing, from what we can tell, she's doing well now, right? Like, well enough. Like, her life isn't perfect. She's doing much better. At least, like, drug-wise. I think that she definitely still takes Xanax. You can tell in some episodes she's so high. Um, so yeah, I think that no, there, I don't, I don't think I can blame her for that. If I had a child with a disease that would take them before they're 18. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if blame is the right word, but I think it's irresponsible. Like, I think it's, I think her, she, I think she takes it's too much, but like, I think it's Russian roulette considering her yeah, past. It's definitely Russian roulette, but like, she has a tough day with that. Yeah. Allie, I mean, like, it's on, it's not totally out of like you know I also think though that like your role is to like I think she would benefit a lot more if she went to therapy and like got coping strategies to deal with it well yeah and like you said if she had a support group with mothers who have yeah. children who have some um, diseases it would be she could like talk to them about it and it would be better but she doesn't yeah so I think she you're right that she definitely still takes Xanax because you can tell in episodes when like you can t- it feel it sounds so weird to say, but you can tell her head is heavy in certain episodes, and she's yeah. like physically keeping herself up. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think in general, like obvious, I think it'd be crazy if I sat here and was like, Leah's not doing any better at all. Like that would be insane. Like yeah, she clearly is. Um, but I just think that I was very disappointed in the end of this book. Um, and then, as we said, the book literally just ends after rehab. No mention of the crazy relationship we had, she had with TR, no mention of Jason, um, no mention of the fact that she repeated the cycle with Jason with moving her girls in very right away and being in this risky situation, no acknowledgement. Oh, oh, one thing I definitely wanted to mention. So when she is saying how she like would look at her mom's chat room talks with this guy and how there are no boundaries, I'm like, so exactly what the twins are doing with your conversations with Oh, when they look through your fucking phone? Yeah. Like, she is really, she says that she's broken this, but, like, a lot of the behavior she's describing of her mom, she's repeating just on a smaller scale. Yeah, I do think that she is definitely much better than her mother. I think that yeah. she's providing a yeah. better life for her children. Significantly her better. Did, but she's still doing some of the same shit. Yeah. 
Like, why I mean, do your kids, like, even Kale is like, your kids don't look at my fucking phone. Like, my, no, my children don't look at my text message because Leah, because they would be scarred for life. Don't, why are you letting your, why do your children have your passcode? Why do your 10 year olds know how to get into your phone? Yeah. And not just get into your phone, but like openly look at your phone and like laugh about and it. Like, and read your like, I snoop, in front of you. I snoop the shit out of everything in my house, but like, I didn't tell my parents I was doing it. Why would you? Because then they would find out and you couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Like, but it's clear that Leah's kids know there will be no consequences for it. I mean, um, she moved those kids in with Jason very shortly after meeting him. Straight up. She moved mm-hmm. them in. They told on her on camera. They said yeah. he lived there. Yeah. Um, I think a big part of the reason that the kids don't have to switch schools all the time is because they live with Corey. Yeah. You know, and then so- I think Addie gets like gets to go to their school because she's a sibling, right? Uh, I don't... Does Addie go to the same school as them? Yeah, I guess she yeah, does. Yeah, she goes to the same bus stop. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know. I mean, she I might be in the same district sort of like, now. I don't think she is. Um, but I've read that... I'm sure I read it on Reddit. Well, from, so we can tell from true it is. Leah's life that you can just go to school wherever you want in West Virginia, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But okay, so I do have to say that um, I looked it up and Leah owns her house in cash. And I think that that is very smart for her. Very smart for her. Her house was like, I don't know, $80,000 and she bought it in cash. Smart and so girl. when the show ends, she'll be there for Her taxes are something like, I think her taxes are something like $100 a year. They're so low. And like, so her only costs are like her food clothing for the girl like it's you know her the money she's made she, her life is set in West Virginia yeah I agree oh Leah so yeah I just wish like maybe there's a part two coming <laughs> because there's a lot left that she did not even get into yeah and I just just because of how open and honest she was in the beginning of the book I really wish that she gave us that same sort of honesty in the later parts of the book Agreed. I totally agree. I think, I think she missed a lot of opportunity to be honest, but I will say the parts that she was honest were very interesting and intriguing. And you know what? I will say I wasn't bored when I was reading this. No, I wasn't bored either. And I read this in two evenings and it flew by, but it was like, it was her childhood. It was, I mean, of the worst, I think I've read from a Teen Mom franchise. Yeah. And I wouldn't, and before this, I wouldn't have put her as the worst childhood. Because you you would just, Something I do have to give her credit for is, like, she doesn't let her awful childhood define her. Yeah, she really doesn't, because if we were ranking more childhoods, I'd be like, well, you know, Kayla and her mom, but, like, it seems like Dom is almost just Yeah, and Amber, and, like, you're like, oh, my God, all these girls had such bad childhoods, but, like, when I was ranking childhoods, I was always like, I think Leah's was, like, okay, like, I know she was, she grew up pretty poor, but, like, Dawn's, like, she's fine, and, like, she had Lee, and then you read this, and you're like, oh okay, this might be one of the worst. Yeah, and she doesn't, and she just, like, you know, hints at it on TV. She's like, well, I want better for my kids. I wasn't like, raised I good, right. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't raised right. I didn't have a great childhood, and you're like, well, okay. And then when she says stuff like breaking the cycle, like, and just from what we see on TV, we're like, are you? But then we're like, okay. Like, I think you she, own your home. You you have a stable yeah, enough. Her kids like, go like, to school. She's not great. Yeah, her kids go to school. She's not, it's not great, but, like, it is miles away from where she came from. 
yeah, I think that Leah um, truly lucked into a lot of that. I wonder oh, what this would look MTV, like. Without MTV, it would be yeah. totally different. Uh, I think that Leah is a testament to how different money makes situations because I think if we read all the same stuff but MTV never came in, her life would be way shittier, like way shittier, and her girls would not be getting that much better of a childhood than she had. Um, yeah, but at the same time, Leah seemed to want to finish high school by herself, and she did that before Teen Mom was over, or before 16 Pregnant was done. Like, she... Yeah. I think that Leah saw some value in education, so I think yes. that her advice would have been better yes. than... But not like, not, like, as different. I I think she would have valued education more, but I think there would have been a lot of the same traps of, like, she would have had to been working multiple jobs, you mm-hmm. know, like there would have she would be working multiple jobs like she I mean Allie might not have ever even had a diagnosis yeah because if they would would they've even been able to get her into see doctors how and um I definitely think that like when you're working so many jobs and your kids have to be raised by babysitters there's going to be a different outcome there are just so many more variables and that is not the parents fault it's just the reality that America has no social services. You know what I mean? And like, there's no way for poor parents. It's extremely hard for poor, especially single mothers, which she would have been. And I think the kids would have had to been raised a lot more by Dawn. So there would have been a lot more Dawn influence in those kids' lives. Leah would have, I think, well, I mean, a big part of the reason that they're breaking the cycle so much is because those girls are with Corey. I mean, yeah. we, we didn't say that, but those girls are primarily raised by Miranda, as far as I can yeah. tell. Miranda right. is those girls' primary caregiver, which is why I'm still fucking mad about what Leah said about Miranda at the last reunion. But Miranda is the primary caregiver for the girls, and Miranda seems to do a really great job. And I'm not discounting what Leah does, but I think we should acknowledge that. Um, that's a big part in how her kids' lives are better. Absolutely. Because and their stepmom is what is she an ex-cop like she cares about schedules they eat vegetables they do their homework because they're there monday through friday you know they don't talk back to to miranda and Corey like they talk back to leah exactly so i definitely think that that's a big part of it i think that even if mtv never came i think that because leah wouldn't have the same mental illness issues as dawn had her girls would have already like been a like you know what I mean like yeah she would have already been a better mother than Dawn was and I can't see her being as strict as Dawn was when they were little and then as crazy as she was when they're older like crazy is not the right word there I mean like like not strict not strict yes <laughs> I didn't yeah. mean crazy as in mental illness I meant crazy is like do whatever the fuck you want like yeah no yeah. yeah and so I definitely think though that like we cannot discount how money comes into play with Leah's ability to be a better parent because maybe Dawn would have been a better parent if she didn't have to work three jobs. Yeah. You know, like that's well, part she of... She could have gotten one decent job. Yeah. and three shitty ones. Exactly. And so I think that Leah being able to be a parent as much as she wants because she has such financial freedom, you know, to discount that would be crazy. And I do think that Dawn was a terrible mother. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think circumstances handed that to her, and I think that she then didn't try and improve on them as far as Leah presents. And I think where Leah would have been set apart is that I think circumstances would have been handed to her, but she would have tried a little harder as far as the parenting aspect went. 
Um, but yeah, I mm-hmm. do think that Leah lucked out like nothing else with MTV. And honestly, I'm very happy for her girls that she did because they live a pretty nice life, all things considered. They do. They don't want for anything. They go, they, you know. They're on a fabulous vacation on, right now. They're on nice trips. Is MTV filming this vacation? I don't Wait, think are they so. in Florida? Yeah. Well, bars and restaurants closed today, didn't they? Or just bars? Just bars, but I mean, I can't believe she was taking stay at home so seriously, and now she like has Allie in Florida, and it's like, because mm. those stay at home commercials are still airing, okay. and um, what I hate more than anything is Chelsea's commercial because oh god, I haven't seen it. Okay, so she says. Yeah, so we just like to do things outside with the kids. We like to go outside and go on walks. So if you need any other suggestions, go to this website. I'm like, Chelsea's like, we like to go look at the new 4,000 square foot home we're buying. We play on like the huge 32 acre plot of land that we just bought. Can you go on your 32 acre plot of land? Oh, you can't. Oh, her suggestion is you don't have a dirt bike. Outside. Oh, our, well, our kids play on their dirt bikes. Oh, your kids don't have dirt bikes. Oh, that's so sad. It's not even that, but she's just like, we go outside. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, because anything else you she have said, any other, anything any else other suggestion, anything else she said, MDV would probably be like, well, we can't include that because nobody else can do that. <laughs> I also didn't understand Leah's commercial because it's like, skip the bar. Skip the gym. Like when that was filmed, nothing was open. What's going on, gym? What are you talking about, bitch? Like gyms aren't open in New Jersey yet. Regular, <laughs> you can do outdoor dining in New Jersey right now on this day of her Lord. What is it, June twenty sixth? Like mm-hmm. you. Next weekend we can do indoor dining at twenty five percent capacity. So like, where where are you going? Good question. Oh, Jess, thank you so much for reading Leah's book, even though I knew you were going to do it anyway. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me about it. I wonder who the next Team Mom book will be. Do you think it will be a child? Oh, God willing. Actually, you know who I would <laughs> like a book from if she had a really good ghostwriter? Brie. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Because, you know, Roxanne's crazy. And like, I want to mm. know more about their childhood and shit. Yeah, I want to read that book. She should be next. She needs the money. All right, I'll send She's her a chat. Hand. I'll yes. send her a tweet and I'll say, Brie Baby. <laughs> That's her Twitter yeah. name. Brie Baby. We're ready to read your book. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Jess. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your Animal Crossing, too. <laughs> I'm getting a little bored of Animal Crossing. I think it's because I can't focus five hours a day on it. I'm just like, oh, who cares? That is what I'm not looking forward to when I have to go back to work. It's it's the worst. It's I'm being punished every day. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Jess. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.